0: This is a Soulfire production. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Thought Criminals. Coming at you today with my buddy Sal Stefano, co host of the Mind Pump podcast one of the top strength and conditioning and fitness podcasts in the world, and has been for many years. These guys, the Mind Pump crew, were uh, very supportive of me as I got into my early days of podcasting you could probably go find old episodes of of me being on their show talking about strength conditioning and psychedelics and all kinds of shit uh we did microdose lsd which we'll talk about on this show for my first episode there and i think it went like three hours and 40 minutes (laughs) so we were we were we were on one but um sal has been a dear friend of mine for a long time we get very adversarial on social media from time to time he's more of a libertarian and i'm Got some libertarian leaning views, but we definitely love challenging each other and having these fun conversations. People do get concerned, which we address because we are pretty cold to each other in the comments on, on social media. We uh, we get uh, we get we get aggressive, but we do it out of love, and that's what matters, right? People get a little concerned, but it's okay. We're we'll we'll address that for all of you that out there that have um that have looked at our uh our exchanges and thought that we hated each other, which is could not be further from the truth. But Sal is so much of a thought criminal that um. He actually got kicked out of his own Instagram account. So I've been kind of sitting on this show hoping that he gets his Instagram back because promotion is key. And um, that looks like it's not going to happen. And I honestly don't even know if he wants it to happen. He's, yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, it's a shit show, guys. You know, it is. I mean, I thought that I was locked out of my Instagram the other day, but it turned out to just be a uh, two factor authentication error on my end. So. <sighs> They could be coming for us. That's why it's really important to jump in the Patreon if you love this kind of content and these kind of conversations. One of the best things about the Patreon is that for Politically Homeless, I get to have these kind of conversations uh, with the Patreon crew. So we do a weekly episode, bonus episode in the Patreon, patreon.com slash politically homeless. From the audience, from the crew, they ask questions, they provide topics. I go down the rabbit hole. Sometimes it gets heated. Sometimes it gets, it's fun. And the more people that are in there, the more we can do guys. I would really appreciate it. If you would go join the Patreon, they also got this episode as soon as it came out, which was before Russia invaded Ukraine, which we actually talk about before it happens on this episode. So that was a weird time that pushed everything back a little bit, but I'm glad to be back here doing this. Um, yeah. So let us know what you think. If you're into more of these conversations, I can do these more frequently, but we're testing them out. We're feeling the waters out a little bit. I mean, I love podcasting. love being behind the mic, and I love having these conversations. I've got a handful of these recorded, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see where it goes, and I'm just stoked to be here. It's a good time. I love these conversations. Just for a little bit more context on what this conversation is actually about, we talk about markets, libertarianism, competition, innovation, healthcare, education, um, and testosterone for a little while. we get into that as well because both of us supplement our lives with testosterone and it's something that, you know, I think that may be a a thought criminal topic to dive into because there have been a lot of uh, misconceptions about what that can and will do to your body. But I think that's enough, guys. Are you ready? Ready to get into it? This is an ad-free episode. You have no ads to deal with. One, two, all the way through, baby. Two hours long. Me and Sal, let's get into it. I hope you have a great time. Oh, and let me know if you love it. Leave, leave a review. Leave a comment. Let me know on the Instagrams. And um, yeah, enjoy yourself. Al, dude. Uh, Welcome to Thought Criminals. Hey, man. Thanks for having me
1: on, bro. It's always a good time. You know what's funny? So off air, right, before we started this, you were saying how sometimes people, like, they, they freak out when they see me and you go back in the comments of, of some of your posts or whatever. Yeah. I want to cu- talk about that because it, it's hilarious to me. First off, I respect the shit out of you, right? So I, I want people to know this. Like, I respect you. We don't always agree on our opinions on certain topics. But the reason why I respect you, you're genuine. So uh, if somebody's genuine and authentic and they really want to do good, if we disagree, that's okay because we both have similar, you know, root drivers and you're like that. But also I respect the fact that you're always open. So me and you can go back and forth and sometimes we don't agree at all. Sometimes you stay where you're at. I stay where I'm at. Sometimes we kind of move towards a different place, but sometimes we don't and it doesn't matter. We're cool. It's not a big deal. And I I think that that is something that needs to happen more. I think people are weird about like disagreeing with other people, and then that's it. We can't ever be friends, and fuck you, and you're Nazi, and this and that. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. It's so silly. Like I I know you and I can do that, yeah. And then we have a good time, and it's okay, and big deal. We disagree. Who gives a shit? Like I I would be bored if I if everybody agreed with me all the time. You know.
0: Well, yeah, and it's, I've had to explain that somebody asked about it on the Patreon one time, and I was doing mm-hmm. a premium episode, and I was like, no, we just know each other well enough that it's like. When you, especially when I type things out, I come off way more dickish than in real life. Sure, but that's super common. You know, like I watched a, uh, a, a debate between Anna Kasparian from the Young Turks mm. and Ben Shapiro, who I think both of those people are self-righteous douchebags in their own right. But it was the one of the most civil conversations I've ever seen. But if you hear Anna on Young Turks talking about Ben or Ben on the Daily Wire talking about Anna, yep. they're straight savages. But when you get them in a room together, I was like, oh, this is what we need, you know? But you and I, I think it's like, you and I talk like we're in a car together on a road trip, like arguing about some shit and it, via text that comes off very aggressive. But I'm like, no, 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 we just, we love each other, dude. It's all good. Yeah, we're it is. We're just going back and forth.
1: It totally is. I know you're not a bad person, so I don't mind that your opinion is different than mine. It, 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 it's not a big deal. I wish people would do that more. But, and also, you know, I, I can be annoying in the sense that I think things out that way. Like right? One of my favorite ways of thinking out Complex, challenging topics and issues is by debating, uh, discussing, or even arguing with people who have a difference of opinion who are smart and who can do this with me, who aren't so afraid of the discussion that they run away or they call me names and then, you know, whatever. I tend to think things out that way. It never really bothered me and never had a fear of doing that. But we're in a weird climate now where if you disagree with somebody, you immediately, you're bad people. Uh, the other side isn't just wrong. The other side is evil, which I think is fundamentally wrong. Yeah, I think that's a very dangerous... This is, by the way, I believe that to be one of the most dangerous political, I guess, tools or methods that I've ever seen. And it's, it's, it it started a long time ago. It started, I don't know. I want to say probably, I first started noticing this maybe 15 years ago or so, where it wasn't just that the The, you know, the Republicans weren't just saying that the Democrats were wrong and vice versa. It was, they're not just wrong, they're evil. And you don't debate or discuss with someone who's evil. Like, I'm not going to say, if you're an evil person, I don't care about your opinion. I just want you to be gone because you're evil, right? But it's, it's not like that. Half the country is not evil. The vast majority of people want the same stuff. They just disagree on how to get there, and there's this fundamental kind of disagreement. And if you think the other person is evil, what we're going to end up with is a uh, a free society that's going to collapse and crumble, because there are some fundamental foundational things that we have to maintain. You know what was that quote? Uh, I forgot who said it. it. Was one of the founding fathers? Like you know, it's a it's a republic if you can keep it or something. When they asked them.
0: Yeah, it was Ben Franklin. I, I think
1: yes, which is true, right? Like just because we're free uh, doesn't mean everything goes great what it means is we have this tremendous responsibility and the responsibility is that we uh va- we have to value discourse and debate especially in a very diverse country you know there's a lot of free you know nowadays right there's there's a lot of countries that could be labeled more on the free side mm-hmm. but one of the unique things about america is we're super diverse so like the difference between like sweden and the us for example in this case is like sweden very homogenous, everybody kind of looks the same, lots of similar culture, lots of similar opinions, for example. I'm picking Sweden just out of my hat or yeah. whatever, right? America is like lots of religions, lots of belief systems, lots of different, you know, uh, nationalities and races and cultures blending and mixing together. And so it's like, how do we all work together? Well, we have to agree on this one fundamental thing, which is like, we can, we believe in our, our speech, and we believe in discourse and we believe in our democracy. You have to have those three things because once we start to lose and it's starting to, we're starting to lose faith in those three things. Once we lose that, then freedom becomes tyranny really fucking fast. It, becomes,
0: yeah, it's, it's, it happens faster than anything else. You know, like Xi Jinping said this about America, about democracies in general. He was like, they're too divided and they're too slow moving. As I mean, he said, that's a pro authoritarian argument, which honestly, there's some truth to that mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, but that's also good. Yeah. Right. Because fast-moving societies, it just it can be it can get real tyrannical real quick too. But it's that slip happens so fast. It's like nothing happens quickly, and then it seems like it goes to tyranny and you know zero sixty real quick.
1: It does. And if you look at our country, for example, if you look at the two major parties uh, that you know kind of run things or whatever, the only the times that they agree and get along and say we need to do something, like pay attention to those times. Some of the worst shit happens when that happens. Like, you know, when they tend to agree, war. It's almost like they always agree on war, you know, it's insane. I'm politically homeless because I can't support a pro war party. It's just, insa- I mean, that's a big one for me too, right? Like, uh, I mean the most recent one that I can, re- and you know, every, I, I mean, my opinion is most wars are built off of false, you know, uh, I guess pretenses and bullshit. It, most of them, right. There are some that are justified and I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a utopian, right? I get that the, the reality- you know, World
0: of, War II is pretty justified. Yeah, and I get the reality
1: of of, uh, of the world, right? But like yeah. many of the ones that we've engaged in, you know, they were based on false uh, fears. And I mean, okay, here's an obvious. This one's easy, right? Iraq. Yeah. Like, they had nothing to do with September 11th. Nothing.
0: Zero. Well, the Saudis had more to do with it than the Iraq did. Oh, y- y-
1: way too logical, Connor. You're being <laughs> way too logical now, right? There was we, we, gotten, But if I would have said that on a public in a public forum and-
0: 2002, I would have gotten booed off the stage.
1: Booed completely, right? I remember um, only one politician that, well, a major politician was opposing it and would get booed. Like, mm-hmm. you're not American. You don't support. Now, why? We were all scared. We had this crazy thing that happened, which, you know, what government does very well or anybody in power, it doesn't have to be government, it could be any kind of, you know, powerful figure. Whenever an emergency happens, what a wonderful time to take advantage of people. <laughs> yeah. And we had, because they're easy to manipulate, right? When they're scared. September 11th happened. Very scary. I, I remember I was, I just got back from my, this was my first marriage, back from my honeymoon. We, you know, went woke up in the morning. Holy shit. Everybody's talking about what's going on. I watched the, the second tower collapse. Immediately you want retribution. You want to fight back. Who's it? You know? And so you have this fear. Oh my God, it's going to happen again. And okay. Afghanistan, you could make, you could make a case for invading Afghanistan. I don't think you could have made a case for occupying it forever. I think that's hindsight now. It's very clear. Yeah but Iraq? Why? You know why? We wanted to, we've wanted to invade Iraq forever. And they look like, you know, they're in the Middle East. So they look kind of similar. Oh yeah. remember <laughs> what, Iraq. Remember bad Saddam Hussein? Let's go in there and invade them.
0: Like, what? How, what percentage of Americans, if you showed them a map of the Middle East, could point out Iraq and Afghanistan? And <laughs> it's like, like, where could, some, could somebody find Ukraine on a map? Speaking of which today, it's like, what are we, what are we doing here? You know, you know what I mean? We've done this so many. It's like, so, somebody said we need to be gearing up for unconventional warfare. That was like a mainstream take. I think it was on MSNBC, which is, employees, yeah. a bunch of CIA operatives and who else. But um, I said that and I was like, when have we ever been good at unconventional warfare? Yeah. Like we, that's, we've never, we're really good at conventional warfare. Like mm-hmm. if we were to have an all-out war with China, like that's a toss-up maybe. Yeah. But Vietnam, Afghanistan, Iraq, we, we just, we're, we're terrible at it. We, we've lost everyone that we've ever gotten into. So why would we go get into another unconventional mm-hmm. war halfway across the world over, a? Th- I mean, I guess it does protect our economic interests, yeah. but Ukraine right now is telling Russia and U.S. to, Calm the fuck down.
1: Yep. Yeah. By the way, nobody's good at unconventional war. The, the Soviets couldn't couldn't figure out Afghanistan either before we went there.
0: Well, neither could Alexander the Great. Nobody could. <laughs> it's yeah, just ain't, not a thing that
1: happens. No. And now, why is it? You know, people mistake in war and warn, they say, like, for example, you talk about um, Americans being the most armed uh, society in the world, right? So we have the Second Amendment. Lots of Americans have guns, and then people make the argument, you know, the pro Second Amendment side. Oh, it's uh, the Second Amendment exists to oppose. Tyranny. Okay. And then you have the pro anti, excuse me, the anti Second Amendment side, which is like, stupid, the US government's got jets and machine guns and bombs. What are your AR 15s going to do? Well, okay. What are they going to do? Blow everything up? Like wipe out the whole country? <laughs> yeah. You know how hard it is, obviously, how hard it is to win that kind of a war where you don't know who the clear enemy is. And the more you kill, the stronger you make their will and the determination to fight you, because that's the whole point is to fight tyranny. Like it's an unwinnable pain in the ass. Um, So it's, they're not winnable to begin with, but yeah, you bring up the Ukraine. You know, it's funny. So I was talking with the guys and this was not that long ago. I forgot what I saw. Oh, I watched there was on CNN. There was a clip with a doctor talking about what, how big of a waste of time cloth masks were. Mm-hmm. right? This was recent. Oh my God. It's a, yeah, the, you
0: know. scene, the CNN contributor, the, uh, forget her name, but yeah, I know exactly what you're talking
1: about. Yeah. So she said that, um, then there was some other stuff that came out and I said, Oh shit. I sat down with the guys and said, the narrative is changing. I said, Omicron came out super mild and people are just over it. They're sick of all the, the lockdowns and the force, this and the mandates and people are not afraid like they used to be. I said, pay attention to what's going to happen. And the current administration is super unpopular. I said, watch what happens. They have to figure out another way to get us to be afraid before the midterms. And I literally, I swear to God, I said this. I said to the guys, I said, they're going to come up with a foreign threat because that always, get, that always gets everybody behind the current administration. And sure yeah, it's, enough-
0: it's straight out of the playbook, dude. It was, it was so
1: easy to call. It was clear as day. Every time, right? Sure enough, we're talking about some shit that's been happening for a while, by the way, okay? Yeah. And the Ukraine president's like, you guys are politicizing this. Uh, we're not going to go to war with Russia. We didn't go to war with them when they invaded Crimea. We didn't go. We You know why? Because we're both nuclear armed. There's not yeah. war. There's no war. At best, there'll be a proxy. Maybe we'll give weapons to someone or whatever. At best, it's not going to happen. This is all political. Scare the shit I, out of Americans. Get back in line.
0: I like how they're. I like how they're calling uh, weapon sales lethal aid. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's only aid. It's just lethal aid. <laughs> what we're we talking about here? No man. But yeah, Obama said. I mean, and for all of Obama's faults, which there are many, like he. He looked at that and said, like, what's the point? Like, there's not, like, we're not going to, like, when Russia, that's when Russia took Crimea, it was like, okay. Yeah. You know, and a lot of, and there are a lot of people in Ukraine. In the same way, there was a lot of people in Afghanistan that were on the side of the Taliban. There's a lot of people in Ukraine that want to be part of Mother Russia. You yep. know, very, like, Russian nationalist Ukrainians. Yep. That's well, we don't know what it's like. over. Like, the USSR was a very powerful and, and in some ways, popular organization. Yeah. And, and in and, some and, ways it was incredibly tyrannical and, and Ukraine bore the brunt of a bunch of that. Too. Oh boy.
1: They starved them out. I was, I mean, you look at the starvation that happened in Ukraine when 10 million okay, people, or something Oh, like was, they, they were cannibal. They were, they were practicing cannibalism. It's really terrible if you read about it, but I mean, okay, let's look at the pure, pure the picture, the, the whole truth here. And I can be very critical of, of our, uh, you know, I, I'm not a, I'm patriotic by the way, in the sense that, um, I'm not America at all costs. I'm, the founding principles, the supposed or the founding principles of this country, which we have never exerted perfectly, but they do exist. That's what I'm always yeah. supportive of.
0: And I think it's and, important to, to say that to that caveat of like from day one, there were issues upholding the principles, right? Like oh, there yeah. There's a lot going on. I mean, from slavery on, right? Oh, there's, let's there's be a honest. lot of things. Y- yeah.
1: Yes. But it was those concepts, those concepts that allow us to move fast and grow and fight within ourselves and. You know, and do that so it's these beautiful concepts that exist that are have been now intertwined with uh I guess you know America right the founding of America and that's what I support not the not the America at all cost, but rather those founding principles so I'm going to be very critical now of of something that we're we're doing right we're we're painting Russia and, and Putin as this aggressor in this particular situation by the way, I'm not defending Putin I think he's a tyrant in many different ways but let's let's be honest we have we have treaties, we have NATO treaties surrounding Russia. This is a big deal. Like, Yeah, and we, and we also said we weren't going to do that. We said we weren't going to do that. We did. And part of that treaty is if any of those NATO countries gets invaded, everybody jumps in. So you got Russia, which, you know, fell from grace, right? One of the world's, you know, superpowers, gone, still nuclear armed, still wants some respect. And we're surrounding them with NATO countries, isolating them, like, you know? So... It's not like he's just being crazy. I think part of it is like, oh, Ukraine's on our border. Like, we don't want them to go to NATO too. And now what are we going to do? Like, we're completely surrounded. I mean, I get that, right? I, I kind of get that. But, but yeah, no, this is being used right now to, to, to get the, the sheep back in order. I, I, I'm sorry if yeah. I'm offending anybody, but it's, it's what's happening. They got to drum up more fear because especially a foreign threat always gets everybody behind the current administration. And they're I, very look, unpopular I, right now.
0: I think it works less and less every time. And I, I watched, have you seen that show, The Americans?
1: Hmm.
0: Underrated show. Incredible really? show. Okay. Dude. it's inc- So it's about, um, it's, it's, it's definitely like Hollywood eyes. This is way, during the Cold it's, War, right? It's, it's in the late 80s, early 90s. Okay. Um, Russian illegals living in the United States to oh. come over as like young people live as Americans. They take over identities of dead kids, kids wow. that have died early and just like they get, they have insiders to get the, but it's crazy. But one thing that they said, and they, one thing that, that that show does incredibly well, and I just, I've talked about it on every episode of Doc Criminals I've done so far, but I just finished it up and I'd watched the first two seasons when it first came out and then just recently went back and watched them all with Kelly. And one thing it does is it doesn't paint America or Russia as like, clear black and white bad, mm-hmm. right? It kind of puts them on the, like the FBI agents who are pursuing, like they're doing shady shit. Mm-hmm. You know, the Russians are doing shady shit. It's, it's, or the, you know, the Soviets. But one thing that she said, one of the, one of the illegals said as they were having a discussion was about World War II, right? And we got to look at that. We, we don't have the context fully from their perspective. We lost, what was it? A hundred thousand, a couple hundred thousand yeah. people at most. Oh, the Soviets War lost. II more 27 than 27 million yeah more 27 than yeah. million people can you imagine and like the 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 soviets that that's not a, t- a huge population and of course hundreds of thousands is terrible too but you got to think that's mostly men oh yeah mostly young men that completely decimated yep. a, like generations of people like that that sets a framework for a much different reality than what we experience and i even say this like and i've gone as far as say this, like i think the united states helped Russia and Europe in World War II, but the United States didn't. We always come out as like we we won, like we're the winners. We were on the winning side, but we were like a, a supporting role in that whole situation. And if it looks like even like Stalingrad was a bigger turning point than the beaches of Normandy, right? Like there's different situations. The you I mean, don't ever look at it from that perspective. The Soviets beat the Nazis. Yes, you know absolutely.
1: the Soviets and the and the Russian winter is what beat, is what beat the Nazis. We get the we get a lot of the attention because we dropped two nukes on uh you know on on, on, Japan. on Japan, which yeah. solidified our our power right like we've got these weapons yeah. we're two
0: unnecessary nukes at that. <laughs> really yeah. you
1: unnecessary know that's a, that's a tough argument you know, i had a discussion with uh, a friend of mine who's a, who's a bit of a historian in war and, and i you know i'm so anti-war right that it's really hard for me to justify anytime you kill so many people use these terrible weapons i'm very very anti-war but i you know I've all, i'm also i always try to be pragmatic as well and so he, he explained to me as he said you know we would do these incendiary raids over Japanese cities where we would drop these fire bombs, And, be, and because, it would just
0: set the whole place on fire.
1: And it would kill so many, so many people. And the Japanese had so much resolve. They didn't give a, They didn't, they were not going to give up. He said they were, they would uh, like kamikaze us they, in the, in the, uh, in the Pacific. They would, you know, attach bombs, to the end of sticks and run them into people and blow up. And he's like, the thought was, we need to use overwhelming force to end this war. Otherwise they're going to, Fight to the, to the very end. And so that was the strategy. So I kind of get that. Of course, on the flip side, um, we dropped, I mean, and this was all World War II. This is the era before smart bombs and whatever, right? We, everybody was dropping bombs on, on just cities. So lots yeah. of civilians It changed died.
0: it. We, there was a time where we were committed to not doing that. Yeah. Not bombing civilians. And then that World War II changed all of that because that warfare changed.
1: Totally. But, you know, we dropped two nukes. We, we got that technology. Of course, the Soviets got it afterwards. Now, here's the other side of that, right? Let's let's pretend for a second that nuclear weapons were never created or invented. Okay. We probably would have ended up in a massive, massive war with the Soviets at some point. It was the nukes that the fear of of, of mutual destruction that prevented us from going to war. Yeah. So oh, it's one of those weird double-edged swords, I guess.
0: Yeah, but it's, it's hard to say that that many people needed to die. And then generations too. From, yeah, I know. From all, it's like that just to make a point or to, to flex on another. It's, just, it's weird. I don't know. I feel like the the the, the missile test did a pretty adequate job of un- helping <laughs> people understand what those things are yeah, capable of. Dude. Well, it's, it's strange and how close it was to happening numerous times. Dude. Like if, if JFK would have done what <sighs> the intelligence community wanted him to have done, they were already nukes in Cuba. Like the Cuban, they were already there and they thought that their intelligence was bad knowing there was another example of, a, of a, a nuclear submarine that was carrying nuclear weapons that uh, got a bad signal and almost launched those into the United States. It it's was, like there's so many little things that just like one person's decision-making and apprehension saved us from a nuclear war. Totally,
1: and we, we look at times now, and not to trivialize uh, you know, the challenges we have now, but boy, did we forget, like how quickly we forget how close we were to total annihilation during the Cold War, it was very, very close. Now, you know what stopped a lot of that was, well, first of all, the threat of of mutual destruction and Ronald Reagan and, and Gorbachev talking, talking yep. to each other, you know, like, like, come on, have we not learned anything? You know, it's funny about today because we are, uh, I guess, ideologically completely opposed to communism, right? So capitalism, communism, they tend to be put on the other on two sides of the of the spectrum. But you know, the threat from China is nothing compared to the threat from the Soviets. Not because China's weak. They have nukes too. They have a big military, huge population, but rather because we trade so much with China. Mm -hmm. Like one of the number one, historically, this is a fact, one of the number one promoters of peace in all of history is whether or not two nations trade. Like when we trade, it's like, okay, we want things to work out. And I think that's the position that we need to take because what you have is you have ideal, you know, we have ideologies, there's a moral argument, there's an ideological argument, and then you have to mix pragmatism in there because if you go too ideological, too moral, then you throw pragmatism out the window and you get uh, bad results. You end up, you know, what is it? Cut your nose off to spite your face or whatever. Yeah. You end up with worse situation. So, okay. Ideologically and morally communism, bad telling, you know, you know, they can't speak. If they speak out, they get thrown in jail. They probably have their own concentration camps. They're oppressing certain ethnic groups in China. For all intents and purposes, Americans would be just blown away by how tyrannical it is over there versus over here, although it's uh, less controlled than the people were in the Soviets still. You know, for us. And then for them, they could think the same same way. You know, Americans, just, they just don't want to work together. Or they're not all united under this whatever. And we can do that ideological, moral argument type of thing. And so if we want to be super ideological and moral, we could say, you know what, fuck the communists, never trade with them. Don't do business with them until they're like us or until they get rid of these, you know, these laws against speech or until they do whatever. Like we could do that. And I could see the ideological moral consistency of that, right? Pragmatic and and, and a good idea. No, you just took us five steps closer to war. Like the best thing we could do is trade with them.
0: There's a great example of that in Cuba. Mm. Like what happened with Cuba was exactly that on a small scale I'm like because mm-hmm. Cuba is such a small country, but um, the United States was exploiting the fuck out of Cuba. Like they were taking a ton of wealth out of Cuba and Castro was like, we're nationalizing a handful of these industries, right? Sugar industry, oil and gas. And that pissed off the Americans, of course, right? Mm-hmm. And they said, okay, well, we're not going to trade with you anymore, right? Because now you're leaning, you're getting too close to, well, all that did was push them the, to the Soviet. Yep right? So you now, it says, says, hey, a small island nation like that, that has a, a, is is as mineral rich, as long as they Mm -hmm. don't do what Venezuela did, could probably run on like a democratic socialist situation. Mm -hmm. And I don't think Castro was, I actually have a lot of respect for Castro, Mm -hmm. just after hearing his stories and how much he just flexed on the CIA constantly Mm -hmm. after 80 assassination attempts. Like he's just a very charismatic, interesting person. Of course, he did get tyrannical and he has been, but it was like looking at the history of it, it, it's interesting to see like how he pushed them right into the arms of the Soviets because we, we just said, well, we're not going to buy your sugar anymore because it's nationalized. Well,
1: I mean, we, well,
0: that we, makes no sense. We
1: made Iran what they are now. Did, did yeah. You ever, you ever look at pictures of Iran in the 1960s and seventies?
0: Beautiful dude. Oh yeah. Like the architecture is stunning.
1: Yeah. Women were doctors and bikinis on the beach and people were free. It was one of the freest countries in the middle East, right? We put our little puppet leader there and you know, exploited them. It was perfect ripe for fundamentalism to grow. Patriotism mixed with fundamentalism is a very dangerous combination. Yeah, which well,
0: is nationali- why nationalism, I'd say, more than patriotism. Sorry, I, yeah, that's the, that's the that's the right term.
1: It, that which is why I told you, uh, and we can get to this also. Why I said to you, you know, what I'm worried about right now, because we're starting to see a swing to the right. The right, although currently I feel place is far less of a danger to uh, to people's liberties and freedoms and way of life than the left is at the moment. If the right has power, they're very dangerous. Because they do their, their ideology is wrapped in nationalism. And that is attractive to a lot of people. And it makes people do really, really bad things. And if they do a really good job of wrapping the two together, especially under the climate of fear or resentment, oof, not a good
0: situation. It's not a situation. Know, but, being. And, and, but the Democrats like have, have, I would say like the liberals, which is, it doesn't, that term makes no sense anymore for okay. what it used to mean. Yeah. But they don't do a great job of keeping them in check. Like we've talked about this and yeah. I, you were, you were, you, you do a great job of sending me stuff. Like I guess you get in a mood you send <laughs> stuff that I already knew As you send me stuff. that's like, this is happening. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I know. It's like, mm. that's like me texting you and being like, uh, Hey man, gut health is really important. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. good. <laughs> hey, send me stuff, man. I don't care. It's a good time. <laughs> no, time <laughs> yeah. But no, we look at this and it's, but I understand, I say that to say, like I understand the frustration of living in the Bay area. Right? Yeah. You know no, what I mean? Like, yeah. and I was like, I was like, I think it's rotting your brain because we have, Seriously. we're over here and I have a, we have a, you know, Jared Polis. I'm not a huge, huge fan, but he came out months ago and was like, we're not doing statewide mass mandates anymore. Mm-hmm. And now, of course, Boulder and Denver and Jefferson County, which I live in, had mass mandates in Jefferson County, which is like golden. It's a little bit more purple. Like, uh, nobody really, nope. We nope. yeah. I mean, just walk in, play, we just walk past the signs. Like, mm-hmm. no one cares. You know, and I feel bad for people who, like the working class people have to work yeah. there. They're all mass which I think is gross and yeah. unfair and, rude to people who have been fucked over the most in this whole situation. But one of the things that I think is an issue is this like unchecked power. That's why I love purple States. Yeah, I like Colorado because it's like, well, it's, it, it, if you fuck up as a Democrat, you're, the opposite party is going to win. And that, that never happens in California.
1: No, you know, it's weird. So here, here's, why I, here's why I completely agree with you. Um, because when the right is in power and they're the ones doing the bad shit, Supermajority power, like yeah. like
0: un- un- unilateral power.
1: Yeah, like let me let me be clear. Okay, both parties in power act like assholes. Okay, yes. When one party is in power, the other party sounds a- very rational and says a <laughs> lot of good stuff. <laughs> and then when the other one comes into power, oh no, these guys are fucking stupid. Put these guys in charge, and then these guys are down here. Now these guys all of a sudden start doing the same
0: shit, and then these guys. Now start to make a lot of sense. That's why the midterms always swing the opposite direction of the party in power. Always, almost and every it, single time. Almost every single, unless you have a super majority, then it goes down to like a bare majority. But yeah. you always lose seats. You do. And I remember, I remember
1: the Bush era, and you know when Bush was in power, and you know especially after September 11th, and and we were passed the Patriot Act and NDAA. It was destroyed, total dis- liberty destroying. people don't even realize how bad. And they're still in, they're still active. How bad those acts are, and, what, they, what they've done, the precedent that they've sent. Like, for example, every electronic piece of communication now gets collected by the government and there's no you don't need a, a court or judge or jury to, to do any of that and they can look at it And spite. Of, we know this, that they're doing. It's like they're going through your mail or eavesdropping, which they couldn't do before without a court order. And there's much, much more to it. But when he was doing that, Senator Obama was like railing against it, railing against it. He's a constitutional lawyer, anti-liberty. We need you know, due process. We can't be doing this. He was against the war, sounded very rational, very good, loved him. Bush was evil, terrible, true. Obama gets in power, signs the fucking Patriot Act and NDAA back in because they came up for renewal, did the same shit, drone bombing people, doing the same, sounded better. Obviously, he was much more eloquent and and charismatic than Bush, but did the same shit. And it's like that happens every time they do this like this, this little switcheroo. And you're like, oh yeah, they were saying all this good stuff. Now that they're, that, now that they, we gave them some power, they're gonna do that. They don't. It's, <laughs> it's so frustrating. <laughs> that's why I'm like, that's why I'm looking at the swing right now. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, like part of me's happy because they're sending a signal to, you know, th- there's certain things that are signals that are being sent to politicians right now. Like these are unpopular. We're not gonna stand for this. So there's some stuff that's changing that I think is good. But do I think that the Republicans are gonna take over and then like? do much different no i, I know i've seen it th- too many times they're gonna do the same yeah, shit yeah
0: we've all seen this story i mean i'm like i said 35 you're quite a little older than me you've seen a couple more administrations as like a somebody who can comprehend what's going on like i really came to understand the power of the presidency through george w bush yeah you know what i mean like that's really i was listening to rush limbaugh and the bush administration yeah. when i was working in oil and gas construction oh it's <laughs> wow, like, yeah. a different that's that's and it's funny because i swung so far. I mean, I didn't swing that far to the left. Like I was always kind of a pro 2A guy. Just a te- I was a Texas liberal. Yeah. It's, a different, it's a different cut it's of- It's not a California it's like, liberal. It's like a California Republican. Yes, like it's yes. a little bit different. You know what yes, I'm saying? Yes. Um, or like, a, yeah, like a California liberal is a whole different ballgame because you see things that are different, right? Like I yeah. Growing up in the oil and gas industry, I could say like, hey, this is a dirty fucking business. Yeah. Necessary. I understand more about fracking than most people t- on, on TV that are talking about fracking. Yeah. I've, I've actually like been a part of fracking wells before. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um... And understand, like, in my granddad, who raised me in that, like, was super honest about what that was and how that worked and the downfalls. And he's like, casing always leaks. Yeah. Like, whatever, there, wherever there's a pipeline, it always leaks. Yeah. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, and it's a fucking disaster when it does. You know, and I've seen the downside of that when you have uh, saltwater leaks that kill, like, everything. And it does, nothing goes back for 30 years. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, oil-grade saltwater is crazy. So, yeah, I mean, I, th- I see that stuff, and I think about those things differently because I, I... But I'm so grateful I grew up in that world. And then still consider myself... On the left, yeah, which is frustrating. But the reason is, I still remember. I remember I grew up with the Republicans being anti-gay marriage yeah. and s- like so anti-freedom in so many ways. Yeah. And now to hear them be like, "We're the party of freedom," and Charlie Kirk and these fucking assholes saying that yeah. shit, I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, there is not a party of freedom. Libertarians, yeah, I think libertarians have gaping blind spots, and they don't they don't play with others well. That's one thing that frustrates me about libertarians. Oh, they don't yeah. That's a, they're, they're lunatics. They're just, the, that like, party
1: is so crazy and the problem with libertarians is that they're they, they sometimes they throw pragmatism out the window because it's all about uh, liberty and so you get to the point if you do that if you take that to its logical conclusion you become an anarcho-capitalist then yeah. you believe no government at all which let's be honest if there were no government at all that's that's tyranny because now you have the strongest guy it's with warlords. the biggest guns
0: it's Afghanistan yes <laughs> Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> that would be terrifying. I mean, what's the guy's name? Uh, Mark something. I forget the guy's name. He's been on Rogan before. Oh, I never, like, yeah. I know him. what you're
1: talking about. I can't think of his but name.
0: But it's like, it seems like it's a it's performance art. Yeah. That's what it seems like. It's like, this. I'm just going to say outlandish things that kind of make sense and can resonate with like a certain fringe community mm-hmm. that are fun. But it's like, it's not, I just can't take these people seriously.
1: No, you need to, that's where the, pragma, the pragmatic aspect comes in. Like uh, Milton Friedman is a, a one of my heroes, right? Him, Thomas Sowells, is another hero of mine. I love the way that they presented things. They're very pragmatic. They're, you could say, they definitely are closer to libertarian than maybe your typical Republican. Um, definitely, but they're not like way extreme. They understand that there's certain things that are done better in particular ways. We have to look at the actual consequences, not just the feelings behind certain things. Like, for example, I'm, I'm going to touch a third rail but I know a lot of. Uh, there are, there's a huge segment of the conservative, uh, you know, side of politics or even Republicans that are very anti-abortion. Now I, I get where they come from because they, they believe you're killing a baby. They think there's a soul right away. If you believe that, that's a very consistent logic to say you're killing a baby. I get that. Okay. I totally get that. So I'm not going to argue that side to a Republican, but here's the part that, or to someone that supports that, here's the part that we don't, we, that they don't consider You've got to look at the pragmatic, like what are the actual effects of banning something like this? You're gonna create a massive black market in abortion, and the side effects of which are gonna be worse than the effects that we are that we currently have with legalized medical abortion, right? So it's like mm. the war on drugs. Exactly. With the war on drugs. Uh, I don't, I mean, I could very easily, right? Ideologically, morally, you can argue heroin is bad for you. Cocaine's not good. And a hundred percent, like, I'm not going to argue that. Uh, I get that, that for the most part, or for for a large part, it could cause serious problems, whatever. Okay. I get that. But banning them outright, all it did was create this tremendous black market with far worse results. So the feelings of the policy are good or behind it. No, we got to do this thing because it's the right thing to do. Pass this law. Nobody pays attention, attention to the consequences. Now, on the flip side, the left does the same thing. They will pass a policy that, you know, this is going to help poor people by, by, because it's going to give them more money. We're going to pass this law. But then they don't look at the actual economic consequences. Like, for example, rent control, right? We're going to pass a law that controls rent in a particular city. That way, people can afford to continue living in their places and whatever. But the consequence of that, which nobody discusses, and you can discuss whether or not this is a consequence you want to pay, but the consequence of which is no more investment into building new spaces and apartments and buildings. And so you actually shrink the supply and you you actually start to make it even more expensive. Or you have a situation where in rent controlled areas, you ain't going to find an apartment. People are just like, I'm fucking living here for 15 years for 20 years (laughs) and nobody wants to build anymore. Even though there's a high, there is a signal there that says if you built more, people would move in. You can't because you can't afford, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't cost or or the cost of the rent doesn't support the investment. And so nobody builds. So, you know, that's one silly example, but I think when we have these discussions, you think to yourself, okay, morally, I know this is where I stand ideologically. But what's the actual result of this? Even though I may disagree with this particular you know, maybe what's behind this policy, like, okay, I might be anti-abortion, but is passing a law, banning it going to stop them or is it going to make things worse? And, that, and that's a tough thing for people to reconcile because you don't want to, you don't want to look at the consequence. You want to look at the, what, what's, what's motivating it. That's what's most important, which it shouldn't be. It should always be the effect. What's the effect that's happening? That's the way we should pass laws and legislation.
0: When I did this, I, I did a segment on uh, something to think about on Politically Homeless about this. I said, if you can't explain to me the unintended consequences of whatever you want to do, then yeah. I'm not interested in hearing your plan. That's good. And that's, it is what it is. It's like, you should be, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a accountab- that's like basic accountability. Yeah. Right? right. Like I know, for example, we talked about El hunting earlier. Like I want to take all of September off. I'm mm-hmm. going to travel, do two or three States. I, it's like, it's my dream. I've wanted to do this since I was a kid and the consequences of that one, it's a, life, you know, it's, I'm making memories. I'm with amazing people. I'm doing a thing. And also I put my Patreon on hold. So I lose money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, there's consequences to that thing. Is right. it worth it to me? Like it's, I have to make that decision for myself yep. and the, and the, uh, actually kind of spun it on conservatives the other day because we had this liberal, uh, it's like four white women from Boulder and Denver, mostly, yeah. um, we're trying to outlaw mountain line hunting mm. out here in, in Colorado. So we have a mountain line that cruises by our house, right? I caught him on a trail camera the other day. Wow. Um, uh, big cat too. Oh, that's cool. And my buddy had just shot a big cat, right? So they, a lot tags and you have conservation management people that fill these tags out. Right. right. And they did the same thing with the spring bear season. They got rid of it because it makes shooting bears and cats, bobcats, things like that. Make people pretty uncomfortable more than elk and deer and sure. stuff like that. But all the whole thing makes people uncomfortable. And the majority, like if you were to pure democracy, right? I think they said the poll was like 72% of people are against mountain lion hunting. Mm-hmm but 72% of people don't live in areas where they have to deal with mountain lions. Mm-hmm. I have guns staged at every door of my house, not for intruders, right? Mm-hmm. Those are different guns elsewhere, right? They're all so I can let my dogs go take a piss at night. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's, that's where we're at from bears and, and, and cats. And I, I flipped it around. I'm like, I know it makes you uncomfortable to think about someone treeing a mountain lion with dogs and shooting it out of a tree. That said, they don't self-regulate. Mm-hmm. They do what the, they're the biggest killers of elk herds. Our, our economy... Uh, much of the economy, especially in the fall, is based on people hunting this state. Like a tag, to, if you wanted to come out here and hunt elk, it's going to cost you $700 just for a tag, mm. right? And thousands of people do that every year, not to mention all these other, like not mountain towns, but like these rural towns that have hotels. All these people are like relying on a, on a healthy population of animals here and wolves, bears, cats, like all those things. They don't have a season. They just knock these things out all year long. And it may make you uncomfortable to think about that, but the conservation effort, the people who are running the, who are saying this many can take out, you can take this many out of this area, yada, yada, yada. They're doing that to maintain healthy population. Yep. Not to wipe them out. And they have this this misdiscute perception and I was like, just like conservatives don't like to think about the uncomfortable reality that is abortion. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. It is uncomfortable and necessary to have pragmatic laws, that's why I call myself like pragmatic pro-choice. I think there probably should be a cutoff date in like this yeah. 14, 15, 16 weeks. Like something where it's like you've had enough time to make your decision because you usually don't find out you're pregnant until like eight weeks or six weeks anyways. So those six weeks laws like in Texas that just basically deputized like a bunch of activists are terrible. Yeah. That's, that's, it's it's going to clog the judicial system. It's fucked up. Yeah, and you but know what? Like it's also, and also third trimester abortions are, that's terrifying. And like it just seems like that's not debatable either. Either side you know, because these people think that an embryo has a soul, and I'm like, well, there's like tens of thousands of those in a freezer where I'm doing IVF. Yeah. So is that whole thing full of frozen souls? Like, yeah. what are we doing here?
1: Yeah. I, no. I. I. Um. That's a really tough one, right? It's a really tough one, but you're 100 percent right. It's um, life is really messy and complex, and so you can't you can't possibly live it. Maybe for yourself, you can. I think that's the problem, right? You know what you, what you were talking about with the conservationists. I think there's this fundamental problem with their, with some of their, uh, I guess, beliefs around people. Like they view us completely as a cancer. People are bad. We're a cancer that needs to be eradicated from the earth. Look at all the bad stuff that we did.
0: So, hang on a second with the conservation. It's want to clear this up. Just because the term, this term is important. Like, I would consider a conservationist, somebody who works like in conservation, which includes healthy management of animal populations. Yes. Whereas I would say like an activist, like a, my bad, like a, my bad, an yeah. activist. Yeah.
1: My bad. Uh, yeah. No, you're absolutely not. The, yeah. My mistake. Yeah. So I'm talking about the activists who are against, you know, like what you were talking about in that particular situation, they tend to view humans as such a cancer that we do anything to the environment at all. It's bad. If we kill an animal, it's, it's wrong. They forget that we're humans, that we're our own, I guess, selves, that life is a little messy. Like, we're going to cause some damage. We're going to have to control. Like, we live here. This is how it works. It's not good that, you know, a lot of these people are like, we need to kill half the human population. I've heard people say that. Oh, there's too many people on earth. More people solve more problems. More people are more innovative. If there's no people, nobody can enjoy or observe kind of what's around us. But it's not, it's not clear, black or white. It's very, very complex and messy. And, you know, the conversation about unattended consequences, you know, Kind of goes right to that. One of my favorite exercises is to look at laws or positions that seem so obvious that nobody looks at the unintended consequences, but then looking at the unintended consequences and then realizing, holy shit, that's not really a good, necessarily a good thing to do. Like, I'll give you an Calif- example.
0: Affirmative action in California is one of those.
1: Right oh, now. well, that's, I want. Like, let's get there. But I'll give you one that like, <laughs> I'll, get, I'll give you one right now that people are going to be like, huh? Right? So like children working in factories. Okay. Oh, everybody. I think everybody watching this is probably in a society wealthy enough to think to themselves that that's fucking terrible. We don't want a 10 year old or a nine year old working 10 hours a day in a hot factory or whatever. So let's imagine then that you're, you're, you know, a leader of a, of a wealthy nation. Let's say you're the U S you go to this third world country, you see these factories and you say, you know what, this is wrong. These nine year olds should not be working in this factory. So you tell the president of said country, you say, look, here's the deal shut these down or we're going to invade you okay we're going to we're going to we're going to make sure that you get dethroned because this is wrong and so they say okay fine you guys w- we'll shut these factories down and then we leave it alone not realizing that those 9 and 10 year olds now are prostituting homeless starving right so is it good that children work in factories no but why and what happens if we just go and shut them down without considering the unintended consequences for example with abortion uh, first off, why don't we make birth control over the counter? Makes no sense yeah. why you gotta see it up. Make it super accessible. Okay, that'll solve some of it. And,
0: but there's still well, stu- I, I, I go that far as say, like I think pregnancy tests are so cheap. Just you should be able to just go grab one. Like whatever. You know what I mean? It's like they're so cheap to make. Like we we spent so much money on COVID stuff. It's like, dude, if you have a, I and mean, I'm sure there's places, but it's like, you should be able to go to CVS and be like, Hey, yeah. I, I don't have any money, but I need a pregnancy test. Yes. I like, do so, the
1: people who need it. Yeah. So I, mean? pre- I agree with you. Birth control plan B, by the way, major- like a lot of these happen to poor, uh, you know, kind of under, uh, underprivileged people. They're in bad situations or whatever. Um, sometimes, oftentimes they're multiple. So it's not just one, but they have two or three. Yeah. Um, and so, okay. Birth control over the counter plan B. Over the counter or, or behind, what, what should I say, behind the counter with the, with the pharmacist, but no doctor required. You go up, hey, I'd like the plan B, no problem. Here you go. Not a big deal. But still, we're going to have some un, you know, unwanted pregnancies. If, if we really are, if we really believe that it's wrong to kill, uh, uh, to, to abort because it's killing a baby, if you really believe that, then what you're doing is you're providing attractive solutions for this poor young girl or whoever doesn't want to have this baby. You are helping them. You're saying to them, look, here's a deal. I know you want to do this. We believe it's wrong. If you have this baby, here's what we're going to do for you. We're going to take care of, we're going to make sure we have this family. You're going to get taken care of. We're going to make sure you're compensated. We're going to send you education. We're going to cover something to help solve that when that happens. Not just mm-hmm. it's illegal and now have this flourishing black market where people are getting black market abortions and terrible things are happening. It's just, you know,
0: the rich fifteen-year-old girl who gets pregnant, their family's going to go on a ski trip to some liberal state, yeah. and they're going to get it, and it's going to be under yeah. the, no one will ever know about it. <laughs> I mean, like it's, it's, the, it's the poor people who always bore the bear the brunt of this, and I, I get frustrated whenever conservatives say they're pro-life. Like I was like, well, you're anti-abortion, but I would never say with the wars that you guys have supported, I would never, I would never yeah. venture to say that you're pro-life. Like there's kids that it's unquestionable that that three-year-old or those kids that got blown up in the drone strike in uh, in Afghanistan yeah. there at the end, that, those eight kids. Like that's unquestionable that those kids were alive and had a soul, but you know we had to have a show of force. Yeah, and we, and we killed an aid worker.
1: Yeah, and since we and since we're hammering on conservatives, I'll, I'll join in on something else that annoys me a little bit uh, about them. Is this like, and you see this with liberals too in in some sense. The liberal, actually, both sides will do this a little bit, but conservatives yeah. tend to be more more about this, which is like the um, American workers, like fuck everybody else, American workers, right? Because we need to like. Those are also people over there. So when we bring work over there, we're also helping other people. Now we could talk about the economic benefits and the innovation and actually how there's, there's there's lots of, there's definitely consequence, but there's also lots of potential benefits for everybody, including especially the consumer. But when we, but let's just talk about that for a second. We're still, there's also people. These are also people that we're working with and trading with and, you know, creating potential opportunities. And it's also, here's for the liberals, that, or that don't get this, they, you, they, they use our standards to judge the standards of countries that are emerging, which is not fair, right? Okay. The factory, you know, conditions in the Philippines for making microchips for whatever computer or, 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 you know, electri- you know, something for a TV over here or whatever, our standards would look at that and say, that's a not good working condition. The pay is crap. Like they don't have great benefits, right? But that's not fair because the because the only way that they were able to compete for those jobs is precisely because they charge less and because those conditions to them are an improvement. Now, let's see where they're at in fifty years, or forget it, twenty years, right? It's not fair that we do that and we don't really look at the whole, the whole picture. And both sides do this through their own lens that they use. And it it really disgusting.
0: I think that's, that's a valid point. And I also think it is the responsibility of, especially, I think there's, let's just use Lululemon as an example, right? right. But Lululemon had six stores. They were all in Canada. They were kind of a boutique store. Mm-hmm. And they were maybe, they had some, There was they were buying stuff from some place that have exploitative labor practices. Like you could say, well, they don't have the resources to really do that investigation. Yada, sure. yada, yada, yada. That's one thing. Lululemon now, right? If they're using, and I think they use the Philippines. Whenever I worked there, they did, where was I, I think it was the Philippines, but they have okay. really, they have also have they do really good work over there, mm. but at, at that point, if you're Nike or something like that, I think you have a responsibility to say, "Hey, like, what are the conditions? Maybe they're making two dollars a day, which in their world is good, right? Mm-hmm. But you have also places like the entire, like the entire structure that this like t- essentially sweatshop was in. And I forget what company yeah. you know, what they were working for. Like, collapsed. Like, three hundred yeah, yeah. people died. Like, if you're making that much money off of that of that cheap labor, like, <clears throat> I think you have a responsibility to make sure people are like not dying at work. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Apple's a good example of that too. Yeah, where they it, were, uh, was it Foxcore? Or something like that, where people were, like jumping off. They had to put nets on the building because yeah, they, they were jumping off. Now, it's you, like, well,
1: you know what's come some on. you know what's some good news about this though. This this topic that we're talking about is that um, there's lots of evidence of this that as countries become wealthier, they start to they stop caring so much about like I need food now. I need to create you know a, a shelter for myself now. And then you get past that, and then it's like okay, I can build a family, and I I want to make sure that there's a good work you know that work environment isn't super crazy. And then you keep elevating and elevating. And then you start to worry about the environment. Like you ain't worrying about the environment if you can't get food and you're yeah. dirt poor, right? But you do once you get wealthy enough to really think about other things. Well, here's the beauty of kind of what's going on right now. Because, our, because we continue to grow, people continue to have access to more and more things. And for all intents and purposes, the average person is far wealthier today than they were you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago that now people aren't just valuing a product because of its price and then not just because of its quality. Those, were, those we've got there, right? Oh, well, first it was mm-hmm. price, then it was price plus quality. And now what we're starting to do is say, yeah, you have a good product and the price is okay, but like, how are you treating your workers? Or what's your carbon footprint? You know, Which is kind of cool because yeah. that's a market pressure. There was n- Nobody passed a law. Now, I think we say what we care about more than we actually take action. Obviously we, I care yeah, so it much feels about, good to be righteous. Yeah. Yeah. But really like, what are your actions? Like, okay. Leonardo DiCaprio, we care about the environment, but you have a fucking yacht that, you know, burns more carbon or whatever than, yeah. you know, a hundred of me combined. You have many, oh, whatever. Do you really believe in that? Right. But, but what we're starting to see now is it's a selling point. You know, when a company starts to use something as a selling point that, that they, they feel there's a bit of a market signal. And what you're seeing a lot of companies do, we work with some of them. Uh, on our podcast is they sell their products, good product, good value. Oh, you know, uh, carbon neutral. And, uh, we, you know, we, we are, our, our factories are manned by this or managed by this. We make sure we pay our workers this much. Really cool that consumers are now starting to care about that stuff. I think that's really awesome.
0: Yeah, I think it is too. I mean, I, I did a perfect example of that today I went up and picked up, I got, um, I really hated my hunting pack and I, it was a QU pack. Uh, people like those, but I didn't like it. So I went and bought one from Kefaru. I've actually bought two packs and they go on the same frame. They're all American made. Their quality is absolutely ridiculous. I love the lifestyle that those guys, they're like, they're kind of like MAGA dudes. A lot of them, they're funny, <laughs> but they're like, they give zero fucks. Aaron Snyder, the founder has been on a Rogan before okay. he's on like, them with a fit, you know, the fat dip. They're just like they're just those, <laughs> those kind of dudes. They're like hard, hard fucking dudes, you know? Yeah. And uh, I just love their culture. But that's like the fact that it's all American made. I'm like, all right, this guy is like very wow. pro American worker. I dig that like we're you know I think it's great I don't think that everything needs to be made here necessarily I think more stuff could be made here we should do a better job of that Um, yeah but
1: you're doing well enough the point is you're doing well enough to where you care like you you can show that
0: I spent $1,300 on backpacks bro yes
1: Right now imagine if you were fucking broke dude and you're trying yeah. to support your family.
0: I don't give a shit where this is made. I need no, a backpack. You're getting a door of the Explorer backpack at uh that was made in Cambodia at the dollar store. Yes. And that's, you know, and there's nothing, there's no shame in that either. Like that's, you're just doing what you have to do or Walmart or wherever. Yes. Um, and that's, it is what it is. And you're also not hunting for a month out of the year. Yes. And stuff like that, So you have that. It's like, it's a privilege to be able to give a fuck about that kind of thing. It is. And it's awesome.
1: And what it points to, and I don't think this is the answer to everything, but what it points to is if we want to solve the problems of the world uh, and have people care about things other than just themselves, one of the, one component, I don't think this is everything, but one component of it is that people, people's wealth grows that they get to the point where they can care about things now because they're not worried about just their shelter, their food themselves. But now they're looking at, you know, you know, if you're, if you're not doing so well, you just need a car. It, when you're doing really well, you're like, I want a car, but you know what? I want a car that, you know, aligns with my values. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I, yeah. it, it's okay. I got the money. So it's really cool. It's really cool to see that because we seem to be moving in that direction. Like, uh, I know, um, You know, like pollution and you know uh, burning fossil fuels and and causing you know potential damage to the environment. That's a big issue. But what you'll see is with these uh, wealthy nations is their per capita carbon footprint and pollution creation, whatever, starts to do this as they become wealthier and wealthier. So as a country uh, develops, it's like dirty as fuck per person. Yeah. But then as it gets more and more wealthy, it speeds up and then it kind of crests and then it kind of comes down, which is really it's kind of cool. That's a good thing. I think we're we're and we're seeing that, especially in the u s. right now. If you look at like our
0: I think we're down fifteen percent, yeah, in the higher population, which is a big yeah. deal. And that's a lot of that has to do with cars. But then again, who's driving the gas guzzling, polluting cars? It's the working class people who can't afford a new car? Yes. Right? and I, I would I want to get into this with markets because I know you know you and I have gotten into about like this market yeah. being able to sort it out. I get frustrated, but I think that there's with the it's just, it's climate change and we'll talk about pollution. I think those are two separate things, and I get frustrated they're convoluted yeah. into one because yeah, you yeah. can see plastic pollution and that drives me fucking insane. Yeah, and that's easy. And that's obvious and easy, right? Exactly. And we don't focus on that at all. But when you look at this, right, I think the market's doing a great job of moving us in the right direction mm-hmm. there. I don't think the government needs to get that involved. Elon Musk did the same thing. Tesla did a big part in that, right, yep. by creating luxury cars that are in between thirty five dollars and $150,000. So they're they're t- obtainable, mm-hmm. you know. Not that getting batteries is exactly a clean business, but it is what it is. Um, but it's pushing things. Where now, my buddy just bought a uh, a full size pickup truck, a Chevy Trail Boss, four door, four wheel drive, with a three liter Duramax diesel in it, oh, yeah, and go. it'll get forty miles to the gallon. <laughs> oh wow, it's crazy. And I'm about to. I'm now. I'm gonna, I, now. I want one. Right. Wow. I want the GMC version of a diesel truck that'll get forty miles to the gallon. That's, That's huge. And I think in our lifetime we'll be seeing these cars. Now, they're more expensive to maintain, but once they become more popular, because it's a twin-turbo engine, same thing, the Toyota, the new Toyota full-size truck, and I, drive tr- I have to have a truck. I have to right. have a four-wheel drive truck. I have a four-runner right now, 16 miles to the gallon. It drives me crazy. Right. It also has a small gas tank, so I get like 300 miles, whereas <laughs> yeah. the new Tundras that just came out, twin-turbo V6s with a hybrid with batteries, so it's a hybrid. You get 700 miles out of a tank, and you're getting about 25 miles to the gallon. That's, That's great. great for a full-size truck yeah. you know, with lower maintenance costs of a diesel, but that's the market, right? The market's mm-hmm. doing some great things there. Whereas I think when it comes to pollution, right? I get really frustrated with this part of the market because we then, we export our shit a lot. Like the American companies, a lot of stuff at times the stuff's not made in America, but it's American companies. We'll just use Pantene Pro-V, for example. Sure. Well, they say like India doesn't have a lot of, uh, they want to get some cleaning products to India. But people in India didn't have the same, didn't have enough money to buy a big bottle of shampoo like we do. So they started putting them in basically like ketchup packets. Yeah. Right? So you have like, you can go spend like five cents to get a ketchup packet of shampoo or like a, the body wash, soap, shampoo mix, you know? And that all just ends up in the ocean because they don't have the gas inf- or the uh, trash infrastructure to get rid of their stuff. They used yeah. to just like have, they didn't have a lot of trash because they were just buying food at the market for the day or a couple of days. There's not a lot of trash associated with that. So they don't have the infrastructure for mm-hmm. that. But these American companies are now. In my my view, the market is exploiting these people and it's ending up in the ocean. That's when people say, well, America's not the biggest polluter. And it's like, well, but American companies are. Like Coca Cola pollutes more than anybody else. Mm. You know, and these like single use plastic bottles, I think this is a role of government where they could change market incentives. Liquid Death does this. Great company. Yeah. They don't make shit in plastic bottles, it's all in cans. Yeah. Anything smaller than a liter can be in a fucking can.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? That's a very complex issue because the question I would ask is what would happen? You're talking about India and m- many of these countries have, are, are emerging that you're kind of referring yeah, emerging to. emerging
0: countries. India is just one example. I yes. just pulled that out of the yeah, league, yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah. so emerging
1: economies meaning they just they're coming out of third world and they're developing, right? So, kind of where we were, uh, you know, at the at the turn of the uh, of the industrial revolution type of deal, right? All right, what's going on? What's the the question is what would happen if American companies didn't sell products to those people? That's the question that we need to ask in order to see what the consequences would be of, okay, we have le- will we actually produce less pollution? Maybe we will, but will there be less pollution and most, more, less garbage? Because somebody will try to supply that. Mm. Will that prevent them from advancing faster? Because American companies are really well poised to deliver a product with a thin margin line and still profit. Whereas now they're having to get that product from local producers Eventually they can get to that point, but through that process, does that mean that less wealth is created and, and it, maybe it's 5% less wealth over the next 10 years and people think that's not a big deal. 5% is millions of people dying, right? Yeah. So yeah. It, it wouldn't be the wealthy, like middle and up. Like right now, if we drop the economy 10%, like rich people would be like, oh, that's kind of sucks. My portfolio, you know, dropped or whatever, <laughs> but poor people would be fucked. They'd be yeah. really fucked. Like people on the edge are done, right? So- mm-hmm. That's the question. So I think when we look at the... Because here's the deal. we're, And when I say the market, I'd like to change that to people. Yeah. People working together is messy, is not perfect. And we're solving complex problems the best that we can. And then as we solve a problem, we realize that our solution, there's a better solution. Yeah. Let's use this one. So it's like we're working together and it's really hard. It's like really fucking hard. Like this problem with... Uh, the and I agree with you on on pollution. I think that's a I think that's a no brainer. In fact, it's one of the areas where government intervention has shown remarkable um, results. Like. Mm. You know, like the the Hudson River, you couldn't swim in there in the in the you know in the seventies. Yeah, or I
0: mean, there was times when Dupont was poisoning people's water, like yeah. they and they knew they were doing it uh, when they were doing making nonstick pans. Yeah. I mean, they were killing people's cattle. They were it was it, lots of people. I mean, I don't know how they're still a company. Yeah, like
1: le- like unleaded gasoline was a result of uh, of, of government intervention, exactly. right? Like yeah. so, I, I see that I see lots of value there. The climate is more complicated because we're in this weird. I I definitely we're impacting the climate or what we do on earth. uh, You know, the the greenhouse gases like that. I think that's, we don't, we don't know how much it's impacting. I think that people say they know they're full of shit. Those, Those, those models are really, really hard, especially the further you go out.
0: Yeah, Randall Carlson did a good job of explaining that on Joe Rogan. He doesn't—he's not a climate guy, but he and he believes that we're like influencing it. Yeah. But he, he goes back fifty thousand years and shows the change in climate from different things. I mean, climate does just change on its own. We it, cannot exist. It's, it would
1: it's hard to—it's hard to know exactly, but we know we're doing something, right? We know yeah. we're doing something, and we probably have a, a, a better answer. But the problem is that our the the, the human population—and forget us rich people over here in America, because maybe yeah. we, okay, most of the world or much of the world isn't in, in our situation. We are so reliant on energy, uh, natural gas, oil, petroleum, you know, carbon based, you know, energy. It's inexpensive. It's energy dense. We've been using it for a long time. There's lots of innovation surrounding it. It creates a fuck ton of jobs. It's easy to transport like nothing, by the way, there's, there's only one thing that competes with, uh, with carbon based energy sources and it's not solar. It's not, none of that shit actually works really well. We don't have the technology yet. That's just a fact. I'm not, you know, I would love it if it was, but it's just a fact. Um, And there's lots of infrastructure built around, you know, oil and that stuff's already there. So that's part of the reason why it's so inexpensive. We have more access to it now than we did 30 years ago Mm -hmm. because of fracking and stuff like that. So the problem is, okay, if we forcefully reduce our production of greenhouse gases by saying, we're going to add a a cost to it, Mm -hmm. or we're going to cap it, we're going to say, you can only the people that we end up killing a lot of people because there's no solution. So now without energy, like I'm okay. But the, the freaking millions of people who just got like electricity and running in clean water are dead. All of a sudden they're dead because they're the ones that suffer the most. So it's like, Oh shit, what do we do now? Here's how you know that the, that politicians are full of shit over this. They argue,
0: are we we going nuclear? We are
1: (laughs) We sure as fuck are good. Yeah. It's that, that nobody wants to touch that, and I know why. Nobody wants to touch it because, first off, you'd have to make it, you'd have to reverse the political propaganda that we've been told around nuclear for so long. And, and, but I think we could do that. The real reason is there's a lot of lobbyists on both sides that don't mm. want nuclear really solves, of all the technologies we have right now, I'm not future pretend technology, like um, right now, new tech nuke, uh, nuclear technology could literally, literally change everything. Really could. Yeah. But nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody wants to do that.
0: I I was driving through Utah because we talked about that one day and I ended up going to, I went to Moab and I was this would be a great place for a nuclear plant (laughs) (laughs) because it's out in the middle of fucking nowhere. It's it's gorgeous out there. Don't get me wrong. But I'm like, well, you could build it. You could like, it kind of, I mean, it's not, you don't want to think about it that way. What was the one in Russia that that, uh, blew up? uh, Chernobyl. Yeah, like that had a a, a town kind of built to service a nuclear reactor. And, I don't, I can't find a justification for that not to be the case, except for the oil and gas lobby. Yeah. You know, and that, that to they don't want it. So on
1: the right, they don't want that. Yeah. They don't want that on the left. There's a green lobby that is very, very powerful. Now they've gotten lots of subsidies, lots of, uh, of they have a lot of political power. They don't want it either because solar can't compete. I'm sorry. The tech doesn't exist. You can't transfer store the energy. Well, the sun doesn't always shine. Look at Germany. They tried to, they, yeah. they turned off the nuclear reactors tried to go crazy solar now they end up buying 50% of their natural gas from russia so like they're burning they're worse than they were before which is silly and they had they had nuclear power plants at work so uh, neither side wants the solution and and current comparing current nuclear tech to the past is it's not it, fair.
0: It, it's like comparing a, a nineteen eighty seven like Chevy truck to that truck car I was just telling you about today. It's, it's like <laughs> it's, it's most of that technology
1: is from the sixties.
0: Yeah, it's crazy, and they were and that they were so. And that's one thing about happening where it happened in Russia. It's like they cut so many corners yeah. with the graphite tips and these different things. Like it, it just was. It was. Yep. There wasn't a market incentive driving it to, which led to some different things. They were incredibly negligent with it. Yep. yep. Yeah. I mean, there's a yeah, current nuclear tech. Current nuclear
1: reactors don't meltdown, so They don't have meltdowns. They can use waste as energy from previous, from older nuclear reactors. And the amount of waste they create is so small, it's ridiculous. There's nothing that we have that even compares. Why are no states taking this on? The regulations that we passed around... Nu- First of all, politically, it's, it's like you got to educate the population. Everybody, it'll t-
0: It'll take years for it to actually to be built and be done. So you're talking about multiple terms for it to even be done.
1: Tremendous. The regulations and cost of building, it's it's so insane. What they need to do is they need to deregulate the shit out of it, maintain the ones that make sense, probably have some federal funding or allow private companies to build a nuclear reactor, which then is maybe uh, looked over by the government and the agency, but allowed to profit off of, you know, that might be an option too. Nonetheless, we would have them pop up, but right now as it is, it costs, so much money, it's almost impossible. And politically speaking, a governor that says we're building a nuclear reactor, they have a tough job because when people think nuclear reactor, they think, you know, five mile island, they think Chernobyl, they think, you know, oh shit, terrible pollution and whatever. When in reality it's the complete opposite. So I, I just yeah, it's think
0: it's way cleaner than anything else. I mean, it makes it's one of those things that it's feel frustrating because it does seem to make so much sense, but there's no discourse around it at all. And it's, no. it's it's I mean it's almost it's 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 as frustrating as the healthcare situation, which is what I wanted to get into you because you and oh, I I think yeah. there's one thing <laughs> yeah. you and I argue about more yeah, than do. anything else. Cause we've been pretty friendly so far, is is healthcare, and I want to bring up this one thing. So Mark Cuban, and I, this is uh, to your credit, yep. like this is the market doing its thing, right? Mark Cuban to the rescue. I did this. I don't know if he saw the, the video. I did, I did. but great. I got so fucking angry at that leukemia drug that yeah. he's selling. You no, know, it's a 15% markup, right? So he's very clear about his profits and. Um, there's a three dollar fee for compounding for the pharmacist, right? Mm-hmm. So whatever the fifteen percent is plus three dollars, he's selling this leukemia drug. Which leukemia isn't like a lot of things, right? Like you, there's no kids get leukemia. You yeah. don't, you can't. There's a very little thing you can do about it. It's just kind of a thing that happens that is super unfortunate. Yes. And the price difference was forty-seven under fifty dollars for Mark at Mark Cuban's pharmacy, where the market rate is nine over nine thousand yeah, dollars for a month. I know. Like that decimates family. Like that puts people into bankruptcy. And I'm like. How do, you, how do you justify that? Because that doesn't meet, seem to me like innovation. That seems like a big pharmaceutical company bought an innovative biotech company. And then while people were already using their drug, they marked it up by
1: 1,000%. Yeah. Okay. So what's the, what's the one thing in the market that will almost always drive cost down? Anything, right? Think of anything in a market. Supply. Uh, well, in comp- competition. Competition, competition yeah. and supply, right? So yeah. if you have a product that nobody else has... Um, and you have a major advantage. Now, let's say you create a great product, and now competitors see, "Fuck, you know, Connor's got this great product. Let's do something. We know what he did. Let's try and copy it, make it a little different." Now, competition enters in. You start to see the price drop because as they compete, they're trying to compete for the consumer. They innovate, they become more efficient, and this is just how just how it works. Not perfect, but it it it's very powerful force for innovation, lowering costs. Okay, we have laws in this country that make it illegal for foreign pharmaceutical companies to sell us drugs.
0: Well, we're selling drugs, we have companies in California that were selling, uh, oh, what was it? Was it monoclonal antibodies? or No, with COVID tests. It was a company in California that was barred from selling COVID tests they were like $2 a piece into the US and selling them overseas to Europe, to the UK, which is like, it's not like they were selling them to some third world country. They were selling them to, the, to just the UK.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you want to you see what happened to, to uh, prices of pharmaceutical companies or pharmaceutical drugs if, if we lifted that regulation? Say, hey, any pharmaceutical company. Now, here's a deal you might have to find. The FDA might say, we need to make sure that you guys, you know, your drugs are clean. So we'll test a batch of whatever you send or whatever. Each time it comes in, I think that would be easy. Um, that might have an additional cost, but whatever. But we're going to open the market. So now you go to the doctor and you're like, you know, oh, you're sick. You need this drug. And uh, here's the, here are the different companies you can pick from. Here's which one do you want to pay? Oh, shit. The one from India is way cheaper. I'm yeah. going to get that one. You allow that to happen, you ain't going to charge $9,000 for a freaking pill. The other thing is, and here's the other f- sad fact. First of all, the way the insurance companies work with with the with the medical industry.
0: Dude, this is so fucked. It's, it's so fucked.
1: Yeah, well, people just, we don't pick and choose because they, our insurance companies already agree to pay. They raise the prices. There's very little competition. Insurance can't cross state lines in many cases. Like... It just cause, it creates these markets where with these uh, distorted signals. And so the prices of things get super like an ambulance ride is ten thousand dollars. How the fuck?
0: Dude, I did, I actually broke both my heels once upon a time in college and I waited an hour and a half for a cab because I knew how much the ambulance was gonna cost. And I had I paid the the cabbie twenty dollars to push me up to the AR in a wheelchair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how
1: like exactly. Like how is it? You know, it's like, it's like education's another one. The the medical industry and the educational industry are heavily, heavily regulated and controlled to maintain competitive advantages and whatever. Make no mistake. When this happens, what you have are the controlling companies, the powerful companies working with government to limit competition and increase their profits. That's what they're trying to do. So like, it's like, why, why am, how is it possible that I take a course at a university and a book costs?
0: $300. Three hundred dollars. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what they. And that, we say that that's not hyperbolic. That's no, like what it's in between one hundred fifty and four hundred dollars for a book. But and the other thing, you if you're smart about it, you can buy uh, the the previous edition for fifteen bucks on Amazon. Sometimes I I would uh, when I was in college, I figured that out. I was like, well, I'm just not going to spend this money because yeah. that my my parents were actually paying for me to go to college. I was really grateful for that. And that's the product of somebody who didn't get an education, but made money. Mm-hmm. Like he's like, the first thing they think about is like, you need an education yeah, because yeah, you need a better chance. But I, I would just not buy the books until I needed them. Yeah. And oftentimes, I bet half the time I didn't have to buy the book. And if I needed it, I would just borrow somebody else's in study hall or whatever. And just like, yeah, but, it.
1: but, but, nonetheless, they how are they even able to, to sell a $300 book in the yeah, age of digital information <laughs> because there's no competition. Exactly. They're protected. So Nobody else could sell information around that. It's all this
0: like this this self-created ridiculous market. So when they're also the kids that are in college, like when we were in college, right? We would pay for the books. We'd do our thing. Whether you were using student loans or whatever, it didn't feel real. And you'd go sell the books back to the bookstore for, you know, 10 cents on the dollar. And then you'd have 200 bucks that you could spend at the bar from your $1,200 worth of books. Yeah. You know, and it was, it's, it was absolutely insane. And this is a thing right? I agree with you. Like the, the, the regular, like the government inf- inter- interference in the, in the, college industry and in healthcare has caused more problems than it's solved.
1: Oh, tremendous. And I think, you, you know, um, if you, if you allowed, like, for example, um, if you look at the regulations around, uh, the creations of, of medications and drugs, holy shit, it costs hundreds of millions of dollars to get something from, from beginning to end to, to market. Um, meanwhile, oftentimes there's certain investments and innovations that don't happen because for example, If I'm trying to come up with a cancer treatment and I'm a pharmaceutical company and I have a hundred million dollars to create a new drug, my options are another form of chemo or this potential experimental drug that could cure cancer. But our risk factor, fuck, we're going to waste a hundred million dollars if it doesn't work out here, probably going to come up with a new form of chemo and make our money back. And so that's always
0: been an argument of mine too. It's like, it's more, the markets would say it's more, it's more advantageous in my opinion to not cure cancer because they're they they milk those people for every, oh. everything they're worth for forever and it's like it's it's terrifying to watch it's it's devastating it is.
1: i had someone very close to me uh you know die from it and i was really close uh to them and to the whole situation i'll tell you what like someone comes up to cure for cancer you can't tell me they're not going to become the wealthiest
0: oh no they'll be they'll be jeff bezos yeah. overnight Yeah, but the, the thing is like but you're saying the safest option right that is it. Yes.
1: And that's because of all this, these, these rules and regulations that really limit innovation and creation. And you know, it's a, it's a big problem. Um, and so that's what you have with the, with our medical industry. So you have the kind of best of, excuse me, the worst of both worlds. Yeah. And you've got this ridiculous cost, like stuff that doesn't make any sense. You have limited access when we shouldn't like, why can't, why can't pharmacists prescribe many medications? Why do I need to go to a fucking doctor? Why can't physician's assistants? handle most of that stuff. Why do I need I to... Can, I think they can. I think PAs can write scripts. They can, right? Okay, why not yeah. pharmacists, right? Why, why are so many things so strictly like, uh, you can't do this, got to go through this, got to jump through that? And
0: there's certain things like Oxycontin, I would say, is probably, is probably a good right. reason. Right, not all for, things, for right? Not all things, but basic, yeah. Like, and there's so many things that don't even... It's, it's, it's such a weird, fucked up system. And I think... And I don't know, would, would changing the patent laws... This is a weird question, but would changing the patent law saying like instead of seven years, you get I don't yeah. know, a year and a half. Is that decreasing regulation or increasing regulation? Boy, you picked I a know. hard one.
1: No, no, you picked a hard one because if you don't have a patent, then less companies are willing to invest the time and money yep. to create a product because then now, now they're not protected. So I've heard arguments on both sides. You know what I want you want to hear something weird though? I think that, um, that patents for in, the most, in most cases are going to be obsolete it, probably in our lifetime anyway. Like yeah, I hope so. When 3D printers are really good and really cheap, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not, this is totally within the realm of reality. We could create a 3D printer that could print molecules so we could make our own drugs. We can make that's our kind own That's what
0: medicines. mRNA is in a certain sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that like with the patents, right? And like they, they would be like, because that's the thing too with the innovation piece that really frustrates me is a lot of that research is done with taxpayer dollars. And I yeah. think if it's not done with taxpayer dollars, and I think, I think it's important that we do give grants to certain places, maybe sure. not the Wuhan Institute of Virology, but like, Funding some research, especially in the university setting, I think could make some sense. But it's, again, what's happening there is that the people can't afford to do these clinical trials that the FDA requires, which is completely captured by Big Pharma, right? So mm-hmm. 6, 45, I've heard different numbers, but 45 to 60% of their funding comes from Big Pharma, yep. right? Because that was that was a Republican thing that they pushed through to fast track more drugs. Mm. But then also, there's not that much of an incentive for things to be that, that efficacious anyways. Like Tamiflu is a great example. Yeah. People don't remember this, but like bird flu, they pushed through Tamiflu on an EUA. And, it, but it, it doesn't do anything. Like I talked to a pharmacist about it. They're like, yeah, you maybe have like lessen your symptoms by six hours for the yeah, yeah. And I was like, what? Yeah. And, it, and it's like, you know, it's not cheap. It's not it's crazy expensive, but it's like, this thing doesn't even, it's not, it, it yeah. has no value. You know what the problem
1: is with medicine is, and nobody, I don't think anybody wants this, but if we let, if we severely reduce um, regulations and allowed people to take more of the responsibility onto themselves. But you know why people don't want to see that? We're so afraid of people hurting themselves or yeah. drugs being created with terrible consequences. And I think that would happen at first, but I think the innovation would happen so fast that we would get beyond it. It's just that process in between. I, I don't know. It's a very complicated, challenging uh, question because one side of me is like, dude, the market will really be, do a good job and be fast about figuring this out. The other side of me is like, yeah, in that process, I don't know what kind of monsters are these pharmaceutical companies going to create?
0: Well, they're soulless entities too. It's like, at, yeah. if you, do you watch Ozark by any chance? No, no, no. I don't so that. There's a part of it where they're doing a, uh, an opi- uh, a heroin deal with a pharmaceutical company to save them money. And one of the cartel leaders was meeting... It's like essentially a mockery of the Sackler family, mm. right? And um, he meets this woman. It's the, it's the one of the... He ends up being the leader of the cartel. It's like a um, Pablo Escobar type situation. Okay. And he goes, oh, you're the first person who I've ever met whose family's killed more people than mine. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I was laughing so hard at that that I had to like pause the fucking show. Oh, I, I was, I was it. dying. That's- but it, it, it's crazy, man. And, and looking at it, I'm like it is a, like there's no solutions really. Like you have democratic socialists, right? Like Kyle yeah. Klinsky and these people, um, which I used to kind of be in that camp and libertarians are both like this system's fucked, yep. but libertarians don't want to talk to anybody who no. thinks that the state should, that taxation isn't theft. So they can't like, come together extreme. and I'm like, somewhere in between these two things, there's some, probably something that makes a fuck ton of sense. Yes. And it, it's so hard to like get these people to just communicate with one another.
1: Yeah, I think we need more market forces. I do think we, we need to address the accessibility to healthcare for certain people. Um, yeah, I think
0: everybody needs like needs to have access to a general. I was talking to the guy because I just got PRP injections in my knee, right? Okay. Which aren't FDA approved, but mm. my knee feels fucking awesome. Mm. And they were trying to get me to do surgery, and I was like, I don't think that you're going to be able to get in and stitch my meniscus back together. That seems a little bit hokey to me. Yeah. I think spinning my blood and pulling out platelet-rich plasma and injecting that into my meniscus and ACL and MCL and PCL actually it passes the sniff test for me as somebody who understands anatomy and physiology yeah, yeah, yeah. a little bit, but um. I mean, $3,000, which I felt was reasonable. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. My deductible was six. So if I went to get surgery, I have to cover that anyways. Yeah, right, right. So it was one of those things where it's like, and it, it, meniscus surgeries are kind of like bullshit anyways. Like I think the inflammation from the surgery does more healing than that surgery itself.
1: Yeah, that's actually true. That's interesting. I read about that. That's, there's there's uh, there's articles about that. Oh yeah, it. there's
0: tons. And like, yeah. I think it's like 60% of meniscus surgeries do nothing. Like yeah. you look at an MRI before and after it doesn't do, doesn't, yeah. but people feel better. I know. It's, it's crazy. Like just so much, but you don't hear that information because it's complete regulatory capture, man. It's 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 and there's so much politics in that situation. But then again, I think those knee injections would have cost ten thousand dollars if it was covered by insurance. Yes, isn't that weird? <laughs> and I paid cash for the MRI for that same knee, and they're like, "Well, we can you can tra- you can pay a six fifty right now, or we'll charge your insurance, and then you can pay three thousand dollars towards your deductible." Like- <laughs> Like that, it's insane.
1: (laughs) It's absolutely insane. No, I think I think what we need we need market forces. We need more accessibility through those market forces. I do think we need a basic, uh, you know, yeah, you know, uh, I do think that's important. I think that it's we need to include mental health in that. By the way, Um, I think that's a very big one because uh, you know here's a situation that makes libertarians uncomfortable. Uh, and they their, their answer is typically charity, which, okay, well, I don't know because it's not happening, but it's been your answer to a lot of things it, in some, <laughs> if, well, I'll tell you what, ch- you know what though? Charity does a damn good job though. When it exists, it does when it's not completely polluted with bullshit. I don't think the Clinton foundation is doing that much. Oh, good. come on. Yeah, that's garbage. But, but, the, but you have, you're a closer connect to the charity. It's usually local. The efficiency of them is typically better at what they're doing. The people actually care. And because they're in contact with the people that they're helping. You have less uh, taking advantage of or or manipulating the system.
0: Not great perfect. example. That was the big fires that just happened. I was like two miles down. I thought okay. we were, I thought we were legitimately were on on the verge of evacuating. Our wow. Lives. And but like people rallied for that shit. Yeah, that's like great. A, I mean, before the fires were out, people were raising money. Yeah, that was that was really cool. This it's cool to see a community come together like
1: that. Yeah, that's that's really great. So so like the issue I was going to talk about was like the homeless issue. Like. Here in California, whoa, it's gotten really bad. I live in Dude San was Jose. Bad before I left, and I left two years ago. Bro, it's getting really bad. Like, in, I know in LA, it's unbelievable. San Francisco Guinness is really bad. bad. I'm here Santa in Santa
0: Cruz is brutal.
1: Yes, I'm here in San Jose, and I see it uh, all over the place. And these people obviously can't help themselves. They're, they're me- the vast majority of them are severely mentally ill. Mm-hmm. So as a libertarian, the conundrum is, do we force them to get medical care? Because they're living, you know, they're, li- this is how they want to live. But it is causing lots of problems. It is, in my opinion, inhumane, both to them and to the people around them. How would they ever get any care? Like any kind of you know, charity? Eh, not really happening. It's obviously a big problem, not really happening. So that's where I could see that bottom, you know, safety net really makes sense, especially in mental health. Like, I mean, they can't help themselves. I do think that a yeah. lot of them would, because, you know, we have a lot of shelters that are empty here. Do you know that? Yeah, a ton of them because you can't do drugs in them. They can't do drugs in them. I mean, and it's and,
0: like, that's a, whole, that's a whole thing. And a lot of them are, are Christian charities too. Yes. Which are essentially tax write-offs for as if they need any more help. Sure, sure. But, <laughs>
1: but I mean, it's, it sucks. And so it's like, why don't they want to help themselves? They're mentally ill. Exactly. You know? So there, there's an issue there that I, I see, you know, I, I get challenged with sometimes, but I'm like, yeah. And, unless I could see like a really good, you know, you know I think the market does a great job on a lot of things. But I think in certain things, there's no market. Um, like the climate. I don't see a market there it's too far advanced cleaning plastic
0: out of the ocean same thing it's like it's not it's it's a it's a worthwhile cause but nobody owns the ocean who owns the
1: ocean if you own the lake yeah you're gonna keep that shit clean that's a market nobody owns the ocean so it's like the tragedy of the commons right It just gets polluted like crazy so i get a lot of that and i think that in those cases we need we do need uh you know government we do need regulation but in other cases i think there's really really powerful markets we're just afraid of a lot of you know i'll tell you what the last couple years was a perfect example of that connor yeah. What we saw the past couple of years was a genuine fear of freedom. People were really afraid of letting people voluntarily interact with each other mm-hmm. because of the fear of this, you know, this uh, of COVID, of the, of the pandemic. See, a lot of people were perfectly okay with forcing shutdowns and forcing mandates. And, you know, I don't care if it's your business. You're not allowed to meet with people you want to meet with if they're not vaccinated, right? That's like, yeah, really crazy. And because we were afraid, because we were fearful and freedom is very, very, you know, markets are free ish or more free than, than, you know, non-markets. Uh, they're, they're scary, we're going to let people figure things out. Like what's going to happen? Like, I want to have more control over that. I get it. But historically free people do better. Yeah. They, they just do the, the past couple of years. If that hasn't shown anybody that, I don't know. I don't know what will.
0: No. And I think there's, I mean, I feel like privileged in the sense that, um, I mean, I don't feel privileged the, the pandemic fucked me. I mean, the reason these pod, this, that thought criminals and politically homeless exist because I lost my income. Mm. Like my whole entire business was hinged upon people interacting with one another. Yeah. And then overnight that just disappeared. And I was like, well, I could try and revamp that or I could talk about politics. And you and I talked about it like week two. I was like, I think yeah. this is a better thing for me. <laughs>
1: yeah. You're doing a good job by the way. I
0: appreciate that. And I, I really appreciate you also like noticing and accepting the blind spots of libertarianism or just markets in general. Like there's, yeah. there are places, like that's something I try and say too, even coming from the left, I'm like, dude, markets have a great powerful role in this whole thing. And it's important to acknowledge that and not to be delusional about that being the driver of the prosperity that we do have in this country while also acknowledging the issues. But I feel very, uh, I feel very privileged that I've sniffed out bullshit mm. for years. Like I, I tell people this, they're like when I talk about not getting the vaccine, right? I'm like, why wouldn't you do that? I'm like, listen, I was writing I was doing speeches and writing papers in college about regulatory capture in the FDA mostly through the lens of obesity and how like they push through the in Europe you can't get a supersized coke you yeah, know yeah, yeah. And, and things like that yeah. but it was coming from that I was like this I saw the corruption within the pharmaceutical industry and how the food industry the pharma industry like the regulatory bodies I don't know why the fuck it's the food and drug administration it should be like those should be two separate things I completely know, I know. it makes absolutely no sense and maybe it made sense at one point but I can't find the justification for it now um so for me, I was I, I, I have a different sense of what the fuck is going on because I've looked at things for over a decade through a very critical lens, especially when it came to government intervention. One thing the past couple of years has gotten me off of is a single-payer healthcare system. Hmm. Because when I saw, oh, you can just keep people from doing... You can just say, hey, if you don't do this thing, you can't have the thing. And yeah. I'm like, well, that changes everything. Yeah. <laughs> like, like Medicare for All died yeah. during COVID. I know. And, it's, you know, and there, was, there was a justification for saying, hey, people need to better access to healthcare, which I think is absolutely true. But it's hard looking at the whole thing and being like, listen guys, I I can't project my experience on you because I cared about this from a different perspective as being an obese obese kid, trying to understand that, going to college, doing health and fitness management, which is basically just kinesiology and business, getting into like, understanding corruption at a young age. And then you asked me to do a thing that Rachel Maddow, who's brought to you by Pfizer tells me to do, like, I'm just not, I'm probably not going to do that thing in the same way that I didn't get surgery on my knee. I got injections in the same way that if I look at some different issues, maybe I think, oh, my hormone balance might be off and I'll do something through a functional medicine doc versus going and getting like an SSRI. You know, like I just have, I just take the different kind of alternative approach to things. And I think it's played out for me more often than not in a way better fashion. Like I had, I ruptured my S1 disc when I was 19 years old. And I was told never to deadlift again. And then fast forward six years, I'm deadlifting 600 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, and competing in, you know, high level CrossFit events. It yep. was just, so it's like, I just don't, I don't buy, I don't buy it anymore. I had that experience and most people didn't have that experience. I still have friends. I have one friend in particular who's like, I think if you're not vaccinated, you should have to wear a mask. And I'm like, it doesn't do anything, dude. And She's yeah. like, it's about respect. If we would have locked down harder for the first, you know, two weeks, we never would have had this. I'm like, do you understand how fuck I argue with her? Because I'm like, I just don't want you to sound, you're my friend. I don't want you to sound stupid when you talk to people. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like
0: I'm doing this. This isn't about me being right. This is about you not yeah. being looking like a fool.
1: Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, Come on. uh, Okay. By this point, we have hindsight. Let's just go. Uh, Johns Hopkins just released a study that showed that lockdowns had no significant impact on COVID mortality, but had profound negative impacts on
0: society. No shit. There was no fucking logic. But here's the point. The people that hurt the most were the people that get ignored. Oh. The people that the fucking Democrats pretend to care about, which drove me up the fucking wall From the from like, I would say the first month and a half, I was pretty scared. And I think that was a rational place sure. to be. Sure, like, we didn't know anything. On, figure it yeah. out. Like, just shut the fuck up. And people were freaking out about mass mandates, and I'm like, listen, dude, it's you know, I was defending Gretchen Whitmer and kind of how yeah. so, just trying. But then you get a couple months in, and you start getting some more information and seeing what's going on, and people aren't dying in the streets like China said that was happening. It was just none of it made any sense. No, no. For for me, it's really about this. Like, it's cool you feel how you feel
1: about you know your health or vaccines or what you want to do, and it's cool that someone else may feel totally different. We. If we're free people, we should be able to be free to voluntarily associate and interact with people or not. Like if I own a business, it should be my, I should be able to say, I should be able to put a sign up that says, if you're unvaccinated, you can't come in here or you must show a vaccine card. That's fine. But I should also be able to say all welcome or only unvaccinated come into my shop. Right? And, And people should be free to do that. And, and the outcomes of that are always better. And people behave okay. We definitely can act, do some stupid stuff, but generally speaking, people behave in in relatively rational ways. You know when they when they they when they compared states that were hard locked down to states that were not, and they used cell phone tracking to show movement and stuff. The people in the states that were really open, they automatically. Started to isolate and stopped to go and congregate in crowded areas. Naturally, because they saw that the cases were going up. They did that mm-hmm. on their own, just like yeah. the people in the lockdown areas, except far less damage, far less just broad, you know, that's like the, the lockdown states just threw a nuke. Just
0: ah, bomb everything. Most most people are gonna act in their own self-interest. Yes. Right? If you're an at-risk person, and not like I remember this uh this QAnon lady who was like doing maskless like a uh, flash mobs at these <laughs> places, which is like that's kind of a dick thing to do to people, mm-hmm. but you know, it's gotten to the point here where in, and you go to like Arvada or Golden and you walk into a place that has a mask sign up and the person wearing the mask is the outlier now.
1: Yeah, that's great. <laughs> not here, man. Not here in San Jose. Everybody here in California is just, it's, it's, uh, it's insane. And it's not fair. Here's the biggest, this is an easy one, like wearing, have, making kids wear
0: masks. Oh, dude, that's fucked up. I mean, there's no, that's undebatably
1: fucked up. No, I mean, first of all, even if the masks work really well, anybody in, med- in the medical field could tell you there's a specific way you handle and use a mask. You're not going to get a fourth grader to do it that, in fact, they're going to touch their face more and make it. It's going to be completely waste of time. Except yeah. now, they're not reading facial expressions. Parts of their brain are not developing like they used to. There's this reminder of fear, which is not fair to a kid that has no control over this fucking thing. Yeah. They're just in class. Tremendous damage to children. Or you force them to stay home. They were a very low risk population. Like, oh, what if they come home and get grandma sick? Well, then grandma, I let make that let them make that choice. But boy, did we cause some serious. We're gonna. We're not gonna. We're not going to know the full extent of the damage we caused for a while.
0: Oh, decades. Because, of,
1: because of the overreaction, uh, uh, we just got manipulated. Dude. I
0: mean, this, and, 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 the, and this is one thing. And we'll, I, I kind of want to go into why I voted for Biden and what I was wrong and right about. But Jen Psaki saying this, right? When she said her kid who's three years old who is going to preschool doesn't complain about the mask. I was like, bitch, your kid was one year old yeah. when the <laughs> pandemic started. Yeah. This kid doesn't know anything else. If he's not complaining about the mask, that's a problem. Yes. If he doesn't notice. <laughs> yeah. Then that's an issue. Yeah. Like he's three. Like, what are you talking? Like, it, it, what are we doing here? Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was so crazy. And it's been so hard to see it. And now, I mean, right now we're in the middle and this will come out later, but the Joe Rogan, like uh Twitter mob is like freaking yeah. out. And it's like, dude, everybody needs to just chill the fuck out on both sides. Yeah. I like, I would like for, you know, Robert McCullough or or Malone, just calm down. And I would also like for, I don't know, Don Lemon to fucking calm down. Like everybody needs to just take a breath, Yeah, you know, we're cool. Like, and the thing is with the vaccine, like I've, and I've said this from the beginning or from for a long time, um, most people, a lot of people are probably better off vaccinated. I don't think it's going to move the needle for me at all, but it's like, if you're obese or you're old, like you have 95, 98% of the elderly population, like over 60 vaccinated. Why don't we hear about that big win? That's a huge win. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm glad my granddad got vaccinated. The vaccine almost killed my granddad, mm. but I'm glad he got vaccinated. I think it's probably the best thing for him. He didn't not get in the booster. And they even recommended he didn't get the second shot for an extended period of time because he got pneumonia from the vaccine. Oh, wow. So, and then I had a conversation, same friend who said we should lock down harder. I was like, okay, your 80 your year old granddad died of COVID. So is that a, is that a, a bigger tragedy than my 74 year old granddad dying from the vaccine? Yeah. Like, does one matter more than the other?
1: Yeah, but what? But nobody counts all the unintended deaths and suicides and depressions and drug overdoses and domestic abuse. That will abuse.
0: persist longer than COVID.
1: It's going to persist longer. It caused more problems. We now are seeing clear evidence. And look, I'm. this is how I am, okay? I would be more likely to consider taking a vaccine, the, the, the COVID vaccine, if you didn't blatantly gaslight and lie to me <laughs> so much. Like, okay, okay, we're going to pass a law that says you have to be, have a vaccine in order to work, you know, for companies over a thousand employees or whatever, nobody says natural immunity. Like that to me, yeah, yeah. that's bullshit. Obviously you worked with the pharma companies and you're like, listen, we're going to make sure it's just vaccines because all these people already had COVID and yeah. they won't think they need. And we know the natural immunity was better. They don't even yeah. talk about that. What? That yeah. to me was so ridiculous and insane. It's It was so absolutely insane. And then well, them yeah. trying to get, what were they trying to do? They were trying to say that they wouldn't release the full records of the tests of the vaccine for like 74 years, something like that.
0: They yeah, try- <laughs> yeah that's that, that like so crazy. I mean, I even said what? the other day, I was like, if I was going to ha- if somebody said, put a gun to your head taking a vaccine, I would take the Russian one or the Cuban one. <laughs> just out of spite. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they're, they're good. They're actually good. And I'm like, honestly, at least the government's on the hook for theirs. You oh, know what I'm saying? Geez. But here, they have liability shield, baby. Like, And I was like, that's the thing. Why is I would be so much more likely if that liability shield didn't exist? Because if that thing does fuck you up, you are entitled, yeah, to retribution yep. and financial. Yep. And now that's not okay. And people were—I mean, that's—it's th- like, dude, okay, you're making how many billions of dollars? That's the first stuff. That's taxpayer money, and you're not gonna—you're not gonna support the people who you fucked up along the way. I know. Dude. You know the collateral damage, bro. Give me a break, bro. I, Give if, me a break. If
1: the last—I swear to God—if the last last couple of years, you know what's wonderful about it? We'll remember this for the next ten years. People are gonna look back and be like, "Oh yeah, that was really fucked up." But then 10 years after that, they'll just totally forget. Like they did. And it'll happen again. And then, yeah, some other <laughs> shit will happen again. Or I don't know if people actually learn their lesson. Maybe it seems like people are not as a, a fearful of this war threat as they usually might be. I think maybe people are kind of like, all right, I'm done being afraid now.
0: I hope. Because well, people think mo- most people I know, but I live in, it's a, it's a kind of a self regulated pool, like roll their eyes at it. Okay. They're like, oh God. Yeah. Well, you're in a good crowd. <laughs> yeah, that's my people. But I really wanted to get into the union debate because yeah. I think, and I kind of want to put my position on here. I think that not blatant, like not blanket. Like I think teachers unions and police unions are generally a problem. Yeah. More problem than they are a benefit. You can't get fired, things like that. I think coming from a blue collar family in a blue collar world, I think in the union workers I've talked to that worked like doc workers and things like that. I think collective bargaining in that world is incredibly important. And you've seen, I mean, and you've seen these people get worked over time and time again. And I, I, I have a hard time, grasping the average CEO pay being 300X, the average employer pay. Not so much. You posted the thing about Apple, right? right? Mm-hmm. We, we were going back and forth on that. That's a different conversation because I think Apple probably has more six-figure employees than, than most mm. companies on the planet, right? So it's like, that's different. I'm talking about like blue collar sure. people. I don't think Tesla needs to be unionized, right? I think yeah. it's really fucked up that they're, they're kept out of the, these climate conversations because they don't have union workforces when Chevy and Ford do. When I think Chevy and Ford it may be a different situation because... One, they were bailed out, you know what I mean? And I think Ford paid that back, but still, it's a different conversation. So I'm curious, like, where you land on that? You said that unions kind of tanked the automobile industry in the 80s.
1: Well, yeah. It, well, okay, so I don't have an issue with unions uh, so long as they're voluntary. So the problem mm-hmm. becomes when you're, you work for a company and you have to join the union that is uh, a part of that company, because now it's, it's very different. Like, I don't have a problem. Like, you want to start a union? That's fine. But the employer should also be free to say, if you join this union, you can't work here. Like th- I think that's that's totally fine. I think that's there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that whatsoever. I think when we pass laws that say, no, you can't fire someone from joining this union, and you must si- sign up in this union if you work at this place, then you start to develop uh, some issues. Like in the automobile industry, you know, we were crushing everybody, and in the in the unions did things to to you know they thought would benefit the workers, right? We need more of this. We need more of that. We need less of this, less of that. Things got very expensive and we couldn't compete anymore. And it destroyed the automobile. Detroit is not, it was a shining city of uh, production and wealth. And now Detroit Mm -hmm.
0: is very different. So it's getting, it's getting better, but I will say after driving a Toyota and really enjoying Toyotas, which are a lot of those things are manufactured in the United States anyways. Mm -hmm. But, um, They're better cars. Yeah. (laughs) And they're doing better now. They're getting there, but it's like Toyota and Germany make better, or uh, Japan and Germany make better cars. Yeah. I mean, Browning firearms are made in Japan for a reason. Like the manufacturing is incredible. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think, I think all automobiles have come a long way, including American automobiles. But I, I do think that if the union, if there's laws forcing that you say you can't fire people for joining a union and there's laws that say you have to, you know, rules that say, hey, if you work here, you have to join this union. I don't, I think that's when we start to run into problems, you know, like, like the teachers unions has way too much power.
0: That's a public sector union. That's a different.
1: That is. But I mean, it's kind of one example. They have way more power than the parents, right? Who I guess you could consider the consumers. Mm -hmm. Um, Police unions, you know, I get why they exist, but they also can cause, you know, protect bad cops and do lots (sighs) of bad shit. That's the worst thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're they're protecting bad cops. There's got to be something done about that. That's, that's a real pervasive problem.
1: Oh, dude. I, I, I agree. I, I agree. So
0: there's I think nothing it's better r- than a good cop, or there's nothing worse than a bad cop. No. Like, the, the ends, ends of the spectrum there are so far apart. You
1: know what they need to do, dude? What they need to do, you want to, you know what I think, we'll, I don't think anything will fix uh, everything, but I think if we made every cop wear a body camera, and anytime a police officer makes an arrest or has a, any kind of a confrontation with a person, that video is accessible to either. Transparency. Right. Now, then I think you'll, you'll see some really good checks and balances. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. I, mean,
0: I it's think it's kind of, it's just accountability is all it takes. Yeah. kind of, it's a big, and training. I think tra- like a fat ass cop, I'm like, dude, I can take care of myself. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I've got guns too. Like yeah. we're, we're well, good. I can, if I can beat your ass, you probably don't need to be a cop. I'm not a trained fighter. <laughs>
1: yeah. You know but <laughs> I'll, I'll, hey, I'll be honest with you. I bet you those body cameras would, uh, get a lot, uh, would, would support a lot more police officers than it will, with the people that they interact with. I bet there's a, a lot, lot oftentimes, more times. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just think transparency there, you know, would, would help. I think with the schools, God, if you let the parents take the state money and choose what school to go to, oh, that would be great.
0: And, that, would, and that's the charter school argument, is it not? Uh, the uh, school choice. School choice. Yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And explain school. that to me because I don't, I haven't thought, I don't mean, have kids. So I don't think about yeah. that much. Like explain, explain to me the difference in the system now and school choice. And then we could talk about testosterone and being yeah, kids. heads.
1: Yeah. Fun stuff. All right. So, <laughs> uh, so like, um, in, in many places you live in an area, a district. Mm-hmm. And the only school you're, you're assigned a school. So as a parent, the public school, your kid goes to, it's, there's only one choice. It's the one that's in your district. You can't mm-hmm. move them outside. And so usually bad neighborhoods or poor neighborhoods or, or lots of crime in particular neighborhoods equals a school that is also not taken care of really bad, but the guaranteed funds guaranteed. So long as people live there, the state funds it and your kid has to go there. And the parents really have no choice. They can't, move their kid around, okay? And when you have guaranteed money, you don't have very many incentives to change yeah. anything or whatever. So school, school choice is like this. Like here in California, the average student in a school year, okay? So school year is not a full year, right? Because they have summer off. So a school year, the average student will get about $13, $12,000, $13,000 in that year of funding. So that's how much the school gets per year, per student on average. It's a lot of money. Mm. Imagine it instead... If a parent gets a voucher, here's your public school voucher and you can take it to any accepted education source, public school, these private schools, wherever. And it's, it's credit. The public schools will accept it as full payment. Maybe private schools can accept it as partial payment if you want to do something like that, or maybe not at all. That's something else to discuss, but at least the parent has the power to say, you know what? I'm taking my kid out of this fucking school. You guys suck. I'm going to go over there. You know what will happen? The good schools, and I know what'll happen at first, the good schools get filled up. There'll be a waiting list, the bad schools, whatever. But eventually those good schools continue to expand because they're kicking ass. They got a wait list. Oh, good. There's there's a wonderful signal. The bad schools keep losing students. They keep shrinking. Shitty teachers, they, hey, you're gone because you're losing a students. We're losing our money. And parents have more power. Now, some parents aren't going to care. But the ones that do, man, because you want to talk about uh, inequality. Nothing is more unequal than that in this country. Yeah. Nothing. And the one, the one thing that you see the biggest return on when you invest in is, uh, or at least uh, government investment in, in a good way, is education. Not in a bad way, but when you see kids in bad situations get really good education, teachers mm-hmm. that make a difference, where it really does change their trajectory. Of things. Like, ch- like uh, you know, unwedded pregnancy goes down or teenage pregnancy goes down. They're more likely to go to college. Um, they, you know, they're interested in school. It's safer.
0: They're learning things. So yeah. Community better. Your, your, your friends that you end up hanging out. If your, your parents are shitty, you have friends who have better parents that are kind of like, up you know, being and that's happened to like, we had a lot of kids that came over to my house that just like were around a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? And just cause like we had stuff and my parents were cool and it yep. was, they would come in and work for me or whatever, you know, different stuff like that. And then, yeah, there's good. I mean, there's a lot that comes up in the community of school too. I think. Yeah. I think that happens in college as well. I think it's one of the biggest benefits of college. I think one of the best things we can do is make a bachelor's degree ab- available in two years. That's mm. <laughs> like so reform number one, because oh, you don't dude. need stupid fucking classes to do that. Does that make stupid? Um and that makes a ton of sense. I mean, I see I definitely can see some in, some problems in that, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, because there's like access to schools. But I think if a school is doing great and a school's doing shit, what's to stop that school from taking over the model of like that, taking over the smaller school and taking over that model, well, like re, reevaluating that well, now model. That, I, think, I think going two months on, one month off instead of having a summer break makes worlds more sense. Sure. And but I, the, if, I, if I had a choice to take, send my kid to a school that did that instead of having summer break off, mm-hmm. be like, that's way better. Well, makes sure. Sense for but, but now
1: they're these, these, at least these schools now are, are are kind of fighting for the the parents to send their kids there. Like, oh, you yeah. know, let's do a good job. And oh shit, we're losing kids. And we Offer need different
0: to, courses and different, yeah.
1: Totally. Like, I think you would see some some market forces at work and I feel bad, man. I feel bad. If you live in a, in a if you're, if you don't make much, you, you know, you're lower on the socioeconomic ladder, you live in a, you know, underdeveloped, poor area, you're stuck with the freaking school that, that your government says you have to go to. Why can't I take my voucher? They're all public schools. Why can't I take my voucher and go to the better one? Like, yeah. why, why can't I do that? It's my, it's my, it, you're paying for education. This one sucks. Let me take them to that one over there. And I, I know a lot of people wouldn't do that. Some people don't care, but the people that did, wow. Think about what an impact it would have, right? Well, and parents, people will
0: do a lot for their kids, man. And I think that, I yeah, that, that, That's I, I true. don't see, I can't, I can't, I think of more reasons to do that than not. Um, one thing I did promise to talk about, because I wanted to wait to the end to talk about this, give people a little bit of a reason to linger, but yeah. I voted for Biden, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. And my justification for this was... Trump was One, the devil. <laughs> I, no, no, it wasn't that. I mean, I, Trump was an, Trump was annoying to me. And I didn't buy, I was doing the show by then. So I didn't buy, I would listen to the full clips. I yeah. wouldn't just listen to the sound bites. He still got on my fucking nerves the whole time. I was yeah. over it. And I really, there was a couple of reasons. One, I wanted to give the Republican Party an opportunity, a four-year opportunity to figure their shit out and see what they, I thought that if they got rid of, Trump doesn't run again, which he might, we'll see. Yeah, But I was like, who will shake this out? I think right now, like right now, and I'll just put this out there. I think Rand Paul's the best option right now. Will he win? Probably not. But I think he's the only person who's going to go. I think he's the only person going to go in there and actually shrink government a little bit. He's the only areas. one that
1: would do it. Yeah.
0: He is the, I don't think Ron DeSantis would do it. I don't know shit about Ron DeSantis outside of COVID stuff, which is like, of course, I agree with him on a lot of that shit. But yeah. like, other than that, I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't know anything else. And I don't know. I'm not going to praise him for that.
1: Yeah, he seems to. Pr- he acts like he's like a, uh, you know, more like a Rand Paul type. But I don't necessarily agree with that because I've seen some of the stuff that he's done. So I don't know. But he is popular. We'll see. Trump, uh, if he runs, the Democrats win. They, 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 I bet they pray that he runs.
0: Yeah, they do. I mean, they are. They, yeah. They're, they're, they're positioning it now. You know, and he's talked about it, I, I think the best thing that can happen for the Republicans is for him to run and lose in a primary. Uh, yeah. that would be So it's like, oh, well, now the Republicans rejected Trump. Yeah. Then what's yeah. your narrative? Yeah, that would crumble the narrative. But anyways, so I voted for Biden. I was on the fence. I was going to vote third party or just leave it blank. I almost started to leave it a hashtag leave it blank twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to vote for Biden. And here's why I thought Bernie might have a little more influence. It pisses me off when people say that Biden is Bernie and like. Yeah. You know, I was like, he's not like we would be way better off with Bernie Sanders as president than Biden Mm. hands down and would have been better with with, with Trump, too, I think in certain ways. But and I was, of course, I'm biased there. Yeah, I know. But I was like, all right, we might get legalized marijuana because of the pressure from the squad. Like I think the squad might apply uh, those people apply appropriate pressure and really focus on that. And I also thought that the Democrats would do, which made the most fucking sense to me, right? This is like the most logical thing as me as being rational, which is my problem, was like, they're going to get in the White House and they're going to declare a victory against COVID, take responsibility for that and move on.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> but dude, and that was completely wrong, right? Yeah. And you can, anybody can roast me all they want for this. Does that not make the most fucking sense as a way to win? It, it, it does until
1: you realize just how powerful fear is and how effective oh, it is. I know. You, know. you know, when they pass these trillion dollar, you know, COVID relief act and all this shit. And they're like, we're giving everybody $600 or whatever. Do the math. That's like a tiny fraction of all that money. Where'd the rest of it go? Exactly. That's the shit right there. They gave it to all their friends. They gave it to foreign nations that they made deals with. They gave it, I know, I think it was Pakistan got like a bunch of money for like, you know, gender Gender studies studies. or some shit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you know what does that mean does that mean we gave them money to buy weapons from us or that we actually just giving them money for a deal like, neutral weapons yeah it ain't it definitely ain't what we said right <laughs> yeah. yeah so it's when you're in power like that. you know what sucks the very people that uh, that should not be in power are the ones that seek it mm-hmm. and politicians that's what they do man they want power so you give it to them and it's like what do you expect man
0: I mean, I'm not thinking about running for congress <laughs> yeah you That'd know what be the,
1: that'll be tough dude that'll it'll be, be fun it'll
0: be, it'll be more for I think it would be really really fun
1: I think it would be fun but you know it'd be tough is uh they're dirty bro Every,
0: yeah it'll be it'll get nasty it, not, but if everything everything about me is out there that's uh, true. It's like online it's like you and, oh it's like i've done a cocaine a dozen times like yeah. what are you gonna do like it's there like it's also the most popular drug on capitol hill yeah but i know and it, it was that's, so that's a good point that's a good point yeah it's like, I, like it's what you, not much to expose about me yep. you know unless you find like, it makes it hard makes, makes you hard to cancel Exactly. Very Mm -hmm. much so. It's like, and that's the whole thing. But I think it just, as far as like putting it, I I really want to run a campaign just like anti-partisanship. Yeah. That's like the campaign slogan. It's like, these these people are like, my responsibility would be to serve the people of my district, not the Democratic Party. Yeah. Which is one of my biggest frustrations with both parties. It's like your allegiance to your party first and then your constituency. And that's not the way it's supposed to go around. That's why I think independent governors, if you people really, we like made a push to have independent governors, we would have a better country. I think it's one of the best things we can do is non-partisan governors and they, because they have a lot of power in their state they can do a lot of things and they're beholden to no political party because i can tell you right now Jared Polis made a lot of decisions based on what the democrats wanted him to do not what was not because that was the right thing for the state
1: yeah good luck getting him elected like they have no money <laughs> no power no influence you got to
0: exactly. join one. it's like it's you're frustrating.
1: it's like going to prison you're going to go to prison you're like fuck i got to join the 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 crips or i got to join the you know the, the no my dad
0: sur- had, my dad I tell a great story about that and i want to have him on the podcast to talk about it he had to join he joined the white unaffiliated <laughs> oh wow yeah.
1: you're just, Straight from your dad, aren't you? Politically, uh, you
0: know. Yeah, homeless. exactly. But it was like, he was like he's, like, he's like, I'm not racist, but like, that's how, it's segregated as fuck. It's like the Cribs, the Bloods, yeah, yeah. the different Mexican gangs, the different cartels, uh, and then like the, the white nationalists and the KKK. Wow. And they have like, but they also have unaffiliated groups for every race as well. Oh, that's hilarious. But they, they keep to themselves. Uh, dude, people don't understand how, how impressively complex prison politics oh, are. Oh, yeah, And the guards know that the prisoners police themselves. So, like, if one of these guys starts stealing, you know, one of the guys in your group starts stealing from some other group, somebody else, that has to get handled within your group. Oh, wow. Or else you start a fucking war. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, crazy. It's weird, dude. Oh, I love,
1: I, I inter- interviewed somebody who, uh, you know, came out of prison, talked about his, his journey, fitness helped him or whatever. And yeah, he was telling me some crazy stuff, like uh, the economies in, in prison, the innovation. <laughs> it's
0: <laughs> the crazy. Way they,
1: the way they figure out how to make shit. It's like, yeah, you got a bunch of people with nothing else to do. We get we get pretty creative, man. We really figure my, things. My out. My dad
0: was in there re- reading Mark Manson and Jordan Peterson and shit like that oh, for six right. years. It came out came out way better off. Oh, that's awesome! So, super super proud of him. That's awesome. He said about ten percent of guys in there want to make their lives better. The rest of them are just learning how to be better criminals. Yeah, but yeah. he's got some crazy stories about it. But I wanted to get into this. He actually started taking testosterone recently, too. Oh, cool. So I'm about to get back on. I'm super fucking stoked. I know I influenced you into doing TRT. Yeah. What's been your, this is a, such, a, such a sidebar, but what's been your kind of response from all that?
1: Yeah. So, um, I and mean,
0: you're already, you were already fucking jacked. So, not-
1: well, I mean, I had everything, you know, it was really hard for me to accept because I had uh, everything dialed in. You know, I've always been fanatical about my exercise, diet, sleep, all this stuff. And, you know, for like the last, I don't know, four years or so, just like, man, I'm not, I don't feel like myself. Like, am I just getting older? Like what the fuck's going on? I'm not recovering. It's I'm gaining body fat very easily. I'm like, maybe it's just cause I'm aging. Now I never got my hormones tested because my libido was okay. So I know that one of the number one effects of low testosterone is like low libido. Well, my libido was okay. So I thought, well, I don't think it's my testosterone. So I think I'm okay. So I never got it tested. Um, by the way, a little backstory. In my 20s, uh, during the, uh, you know, I want to say, you know, early 2000s, anabolic steroids were sold over the counter. They were sold as pro-hormones. They were designer mm. steroids, you know, super drawl, methyl master drawl, to, you know, one testosterone. What year
0: was this, you said? This was the I early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. This and is like Mark McGuire, that kind of stuff.
1: Past that. So androstenedione is a hormone, but it needs to get converted to, to testosterone. Eventually... Right. These supplement companies realized, oh shit, like the way that they regulate hormones are specific. If we deviate from that a little bit, uh, it's gray market. It's not illegal. Um, so what they did is they actually went through pharmaceutical companies, rejected, uh, drugs and produced them. And they were, they were orally active anabolic steroids. So like, wow. t- like in fact, superdrawl was one of the first ones I took and I bought it on the internet and it was totally legal and they, and it worked of course. Superdrawl today is like, people say it's stronger than anadrol or, or Dianabol, like those classic steroids. Right. So, yeah. yeah so I would take these and I did that, uh, you know, off and on in my twenties and then I stopped for a while. So I did that. So I think that's what might've contributed to my lower testosterone later on in life. So anyway, never got it tested, uh, you know, because of the podcast and, you know, our, our, I guess our reach, we had some hormone therapy labs approaching us here and there, wanting to work with us. And you know, we never really... You know, we consider it a little bit. Uh, maybe, maybe not. And we interviewed a couple. And there was one that said, hey, we'll give you guys free blood tests just for the hell of it. So I said, okay. Went got my hormones tested and my free testosterone came back at 269. So that's under the like the threshold 300,
0: right? To like 1100.
1: Mm-hmm. 269.
0: You the, your, your, your total testosterone? Total. Sorry, total yeah. testosterone. Yeah, your free would yeah. be like a one point something. Yeah
1: yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. My total testosterone. So, and that puts me like so low that a general practitioner would even probably prescribe me uh, testosterone. And yeah, I, was I had like, mine
0: hugged. When I started, mine was hugging 200 too. Yeah. The, right in there. It's fucking brutal.
1: Yeah, it's brutal, right? And I, I'm i like, oh, sh-. and I mean, I mean, now it's all making sense. Fuck, I'm like, I'm not an anxious person, but all of a sudden I'm like, for the last four years, I've been having some anxiety.
0: Depression um, stuff too. Is that what yeah, gets me? I don't have the yeah. drive
1: I used to have. Like I used to really have a lot of drive. It's really hard, you know? I'm disciplined, which kept me going, but it's like, man. And then of course there's the whole like, fuck, you know, I'm a, I'm a fitness and health expert. How the hell do I got my testosterone going to be low? Like, like that. And you know, then there's all the stigma around testosterone and all that stuff. Finally, I I got through it and I said, okay, talk to my wife. And I'm like, the reality is my testosterone being this low is putting my health at risk. So I think I, I, this is going to be what I'm going to have to do. So I did it and it was bro. It's like total game changer. Yeah. Total game changer. Like I'm like, uh, energy through the roof. My body responds to my workouts again. I, my anxiety has gone. I remember, I feel like I used to, um, sharper, you know, more motivated, just generally feeling uh, a lot better. So totally worth it. Big time game changer. And I think, uh, you know, if somebody gets tested and their hormones are out of whack or low, this is where Western medicine uh, does a pretty damn good job. You know, yeah. testosterone yeah. definitely worked for me.
0: Yeah, I had my blood I had my blood draw today. I'm doing a a, a Dutch test so like spitting and all that kind of stuff like the saliva test oh, the, test yeah, test I'm doing one. the whole like the whole thing. I'm super stoked. I mean, cuz I, I did it when I was I tanked my endocrine system eating paleo and training my ass off early in the yeah. CrossFit world. But I do, I had done some anabolics before, but I would do like a deca test stack for 12 weeks like the classic yeah, yeah, in yeah. college, you know, and we would just especially as a 21-year-old, 20-year-old like doing that shit. You could just—I—we got so fucking strong. Yeah, like yeah. was so dumb. <laughs> I mean, my neck was bigger, bigger around than my head was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was fun, but it was kind of—you know—nothing crazy. Like did that twice or so, but it I had great gains from it. But then my testosterone was fine coming off. But then I—I I tanked my endocrine system. And my coach at the time was like, "Listen, man, you're at like my—I I think my free was like under one, wow. and then my total was like yeah, like in that 200 range." Yeah. He was like, "Either you take three years off and just like do pro anabolic workouts and get a little fat." Or you take gear. And then yeah. I, once you, in, in the CrossFit world, this is funny, people don't like to admit this. Once you take gear in the CrossFit world, you realize how many people were taking gear yeah. in the CrossFit world. <laughs> Oh, no wonder you can work out like this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no wonder you could train this much. Oh, and it's like, and dude, just things start to happen. I was like, you <laughs> should do like 250 pound thrusters for five reps. Yeah. Shit, just like overnight. And I'm like, because I was getting no response. I was training my ass off yeah. and it just was like, I could get a little fitter, like my aerobic capacity could get better. But like, as far as strength gains, I just wasn't having them and it wasn't making sense. And finally got that tested. And I think it's one of those things, you know, as far as being thought criminals, it's not mainstream, it's more mainstream now than it was, but do getting those hormones checked. I'm super, I'm really glad you did that.
1: Yeah. There's a huge stigma around testosterone. It's like cannabis. Like there was a lot of propaganda around it. Uh, but the reality is um, of all the hormones that you can use medicinally, right? Like let's say you got low thyroid. Or you take estrogen or progesterone, um, insulin, testosterone. You can overdose on every hormone but testosterone. Not saying you won't get side effects. That's how safe yeah. it is, though. Is all I'm saying. Like you could yeah. take ten, t- you could take twenty times your normal production of testosterone in one shot, and you're not going to die. You can't do that with insulin and other in yeah. with thyroid, right? You can't do that, right? So it's very safe. It's also Unhealthy. We talk about the unhealthy effects of of like taking like bodybuilder doses of steroids. You gotta yeah. forget that.
0: Well, you're running it like you're running hot, hot. If you're doing that, like your heart has a hard time with that. Like you can long, prolonged expo- exposure to that can be. It's really,
1: just a really whole different ball far. game. It's just a lot. Yeah, it's, it's, like,
0: it's It's apples and oranges.
1: Yeah, bodybuilders will take ten times the amount that you'll you know. It's you'll like, take for like it's for. like doing
0: a key bump, key bump versus throwing versus snorting eight ball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, totally different things.
1: Except a certain amount of testosterone, you need to be healthy. So if it's below that, your, your, your risk of heart disease goes up and, and stroke, dementia, Alzheimer's, cancer. Prostate cancer goes up with low testosterone. So you're better off, you, you want to be in that, you know, in that range, but probably towards the upper part of that range because depending on how you feel, right? It it's, yeah. uh, depends on person to person. So total game changer, dude. Physically speaking, I mean, I was already so dialed that when I threw that on and now my testosterone is normal, it was like 12 pounds of lean body mass right away and i lost about four pounds of body fat doing the same shit
0: you know, it's funny how much you can tell how many more anabolic receptors men have in their upper body because your upper body just like puffs up like you just you sit different like yeah. your whole body feels different it's a it's a really i'm ex- i'm really excited about it And i think i might get on some uh growth hormone peptides and stuff like that to play around yeah well around. do you
1: have a good place because the place that we work with is it's phenomenal yeah, i'm ex- going
0: through uh dr conover he's Pretty well. I looked at your stuff too. I was I looked okay. at them as well. They were okay. you. Your guys were my backup. Which they look they look phenomenal as well. Yeah, talking, they do a lot of talking about like tendon and joint health and collagen production. I, I
1: yeah, and too. they're not afraid to to prescribe higher doses of testosterone if the symptoms. You know, if, if it's something that you need for your symptoms, they're also not afraid to um, prescribe. Um, you know, FDA approved anabolics for other, you know, purposes. Like they'll give you nandrolone for yeah. joint pain. Uh, very low dose, nothing like a, what a bodybuilder would use, but you know they're not afraid of that stuff. They're like beyond the stigma, beyond the whatever. Like this is what the science says, and I like that, right?
0: Yeah, I love that. Well, dude, this has been super fun. Um, we're gonna cut off the public episode, but I've got a question here from the Patreon. All right, but uh, you're on Mind Pump. Anything else you got going on right now? Uh, you get your book, dude. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the book is still out, right? The Resistance
1: Training Revolution is still out. Um, no, we're doing the show still. We're, we're growing really, really fast right now, so it's been good. It's been a lot of fun. It's really exciting. Um, doing a lot of stuff on YouTube, uh, creating more workout programs. We developed an investment arm of the company that now is growing. So, a lot of fun stuff.
0: I need to go find that old Mind Pump episode that I was on and share that just to see the difference. But that was a
1: while ago, dude. <laughs> that was a long time that a long, ago. It was like Did five years ago, maybe. You
0: guys were. We had a uh, we had a pretty um, mutually beneficial relationship back in the early podcast days. Yeah, yeah. Between on it and.
1: Oh yeah, that's it. right. That's right. <laughs> and I, I think we were, we were smoking a joint on the podcast while we were talking. Probably.
0: No, we microdosed LSD. That's hilarious.
1: Wow. <laughs> we went four hours. That's hilarious. Wow, so there's that, two
0: hours is it doesn't is that much much. Wow, and that's out there. Okay, cool. <laughs> oh, I didn't know is that not supposed to be a thing? <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean whatever. <laughs> you know? It's a good time. <laughs> All right dude, thanks so much.